down to the left side. We will survive. And it's time to put in us. Swimming through the waters of Babylon like a rebel fish. Jogging is specialist. Predatory and survivalist. Spitting heaven's fire from his lips. Burning slave driver. Listeners, to time for an awakening on Black Talk Radio Network, new media for the new millennia. This is a history and current events program from a cultural perspective. We find this program necessary because Hosea 4, 6 states my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. But we as a people will turn this around. Proverbs 4, 7 states wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. Though thy getting get an understanding. Again, welcome to the program this evening with your host, Brother Elliot and Brother Richard. The number to reach us to join the conversation this evening is 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. We're streaming live at several locations. You can go to timeforanawakening.com, which is the homepage and catch the live stream. At that location, you can go to www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening. Again, that's www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening and catch the live stream there also. You can go to abb2me.com, that's A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I.com and catch the live stream playing there. Or you can download the TuneIn radio app to any of your devices. TuneIn is a free app. In that tune-in search engine, just type in Time for an Awakening. There you'll see the icon, and you can stream the program live, even into your car if you had the Bluetooth capabilities or the auxiliary connection. Again, that's Time for an Awakening radio program with the live stream on the TuneIn app. Drop us an email at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Again, that's timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Time for an Awakening also has a fan page on Facebook. In that Facebook search engine, just type in Time for an Awakening radio program. There you always see interesting content being posted daily by myself or Brother Richard. And do me a favor, before you leave that page, just hit that like button. It's Time for an Awakening Radio Program with the fan page on Facebook. And Time for an Awakening Media is always there. Always full of the latest podcasts or the various programs on Time for an Awakening Media. Interesting articles that you can read, download at later times, and share with your friends. Also check out that Time for an Awakening Marketplace in our partnership with the BB2Me. Always interesting things in the marketplace all the time. Various African language classes, classes on education, economics, social systems, health, and much, much more being taught by professors on both the continent and in the diaspora. So, again, make that one of your favorites. Put that in your address bar. That's timeforanawakening.com. Timeforanawakening.com will take you straight to Time for an Awakening Media. It's 707 here in the city of Philadelphia on this Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening. Uh... Two segments of the program this evening. Our special guest in the first segment, activist organizer and founder of the Community Center Without Walls, Brother Clifton Abrams, will be rejoining the program uh, to give us an update on what's been going on uh, uh, and any latest latest developments around the uh, controversy around the historical mural in the black community that contains the image of Minister Farrakhan. Uh, joining uh, Brother Clifton will be... Uh, Sister Michelle Brown, um, she's a forensic uh, accountant that's going to uh, 
advance the conversation this evening. Uh, in the second segment, active as an organizer of the Black Liberation Movement in Mississippi, Brother Patrick Lumumba will be joining us along with activist organizer and convener of the Nubian Leadership Circle in uh, Boston, Massachusetts, Brother Siddiqui Kamban will also be joining us in the second portion of the program. Uh, Brother Patrick will be recapping the second annual Black Liberation Building Power Summit that happened down in Coldwater, Mississippi, over the weekend, this past weekend. And Brother Siddiqui will be billboarding the National Black Leadership Summit number 5 coming up September 24th. Uh, one of his speech, featured speakers will be Dr. Cynthia McKinney. We'll be right back to get the program started after a brief word from our sponsors. Our distinguished guests, brothers and sisters, our friends and, and our enemies. <laughs> Everybody is here. You are listening to Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts or live programming, hit them up at timeforanawakening.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American owned and operated insurance agency in business for over 20 years. Located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services. Representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies. Offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 215- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today, 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. Overworked? Suffering with an underperforming company, headache customer, staff, or vendors? Or are you a startup who wants to get it right the first time and avoid the costly mistakes? We turned a $24,000 a year odd job handyman service into a seven-figure high-end custom home builder and commercial contractor licensed and operating in three states. This is just one transformation created for entrepreneurs like you in various industries around the country. Not what you're used to from accounting and business consulting? Well, welcome to New Business Solutions. If you're ready to go beyond advising, coaching, and training and get implemented results, call 301-244-9072. Let New Business Solutions apply the best comprehensive administrative accounting, operations, human resources, management, sales, and marketing to help you actualize your vision for yourself and your company. 
from anywhere nationally, call 301-244-9072. Spelled new as in numerous on your device right now. Book your free consultation at newbusinesssolutions.com. History is a clock that people use to tell their political and cultural time of day. It is also a compass that people use to find themselves on the map of human geography. History tells of people where they have been and what they have been, where they are and what they are. Most important, history tells a people where they still must go, what they still must be. The relationship of history to the people is the same as the relationship of a mother to her child. From antiquity to the present, our people need to develop a new paradigm. It's time for an awakening with your host, Brother Elliot. Sundays, 7 p.m., Fridays at 8 p.m. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit us up at Time for an Awakening at gmail.com. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. Uh, before we get started with our program this evening, I want to welcome in my co-host, Philadelphia activist and tour guide at the African American Museum here in Philadelphia at 7th and Arch Street. Brother Richard is with us. Brother Richard. Yes, sir, Brother Elliot. How are you, sir? Uh, I'm doing fine. Um, this is, was an interesting weekend, and I think I, um, some will say I probably was missing an action because a lot of places I should have been and I wasn't. But um, uh, other than that, um, things this this uh, things look look good in in this moment of discussions um, as a follow up and even going into um, what the um, uh, National Black Leadership Conference will be about. Um, seems to be interesting. Yeah, well, you know, uh, Richard, uh, we want to reach out and uh, follow up with uh, Brother Clifton up there in uh, Greenberg around the uh, the mural, uh, the so-called mural controversy that they're having uh, around the images uh, and other potential images, according to the uh, the. Uh, the, the, I guess you would consider them the mayor of that area. But we wanted to get a follow-up around what's going on. Uh, I think the last time we talked to Brother Clifton, Brother A.J. was with us, and it, it was going to be a support uh, gathering around the mural um, two Fridays ago. But this past Friday was the Friday before that, Richard. And uh, we just wanted to get a follow-up with uh, Brother Clifton about uh, around what's going on. Also joining uh, Brother Clifton will be uh, Sister Michelle Brown. Uh, Brother Clifton, are you with us? Yes, I am. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Loud and clear. How are you, sir? I'm good, beloved. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, Brother Clifton, before we talk about the uh, uh, what has happened around the mural, I see that because I posted uh, something. It was an article I read in the uh, Amsterdam News about the um, historical parade or celebration that they were having. Where was that at? And and you were there? Yes, that was on Adam Clayton Powell Boulevard. Um, by um, the state office building. It starts from 110th Adam Clayton Powell and it goes down to 135th Street. And, and, and it's nice. It's every September. It's a celebration of who we are. You know, it was kind of funny because the picture, and it, well, it wasn't funny. The, the picture that they showed in the Amsterdam News I guess it was last uh-huh. year's parade, and they showed uh, people carrying images of some of our ancestors. 
And yes. it, it was yes. a picture of King. Uh, one person had a picture of Marcus Garvey. And another person had a picture of uh, of a Minister Farrakhan, who's not an ancestor. <laughs> but, he, I mean, he, they were carrying images of uh, the people that made impact in our lives here in this country. Right. And it just so happens that this controversy is around the image, uh, as many images on the, on the, uh, the mural, but the, the image of Minister Farrakhan is drawing controversy. But, um, you had a gathering there two Fridays ago, a support gathering. Yeah. Uh, can you, uh, oh. talk about what happened and, uh, some of the things that happened then? Oh, it was a great, it was a great, um, rally. Um, uh, we had, um, Minister Arthur Muhammad, he's the East Coast representative of the Nation of Islam for Minister Louis Farrakhan. He came with about 10 of his um, brothers. Um, we had, I had African drummers, they came. I had Rabbi Goff, he's a black Jewish um, rabbi from Queens, and he had one of the largest um, congregations out there. And we had other speakers that came, and this was great. And we had about 150 people that showed up, and um, it was good. And um, we was talking. Um, people was, uh, we had the art, all the artists that would tell their side of the story, and um, we lasted almost two hours. And it was a great gathering. Um, none of the council people showed up. None of the um, people who um, don't support it. So it went it went very well. And brother AJ, excuse me, and brother AJ came and he um took some images and posted some stuff on Facebook too. Uh, brother Clifton, the um the vote that was scheduled to be taken, I think it was scheduled uh this past Thursday. No, Wednesday. 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 Uh, talk about what happened, and then uh, maybe you can uh, introduce uh, Sister Michelle, and and uh, and uh, she can talk about some things in reference to uh, some of the things that you you're going to mention. Yes, before I talk about the vote, beloved, um, it's funny. Um, we have an elementary school called Richie J. Bailey, and in February, News Twelve, the one who broke the story about the controversy. Um, they had a Black History Month in February, and they had a, two walls, and they call it the Wall of Fame of their heroes. And guess who was on that wall? <laughs> I, I saw the clip. Of picture of Minister Farrakhan. <laughs> Minister Farrakhan, right? A picture, a beautiful picture of this religious, spiritual brother, right? And they had a picture of him, and I email Paul Finer, like I said, he's our supervisor. That's like most people mayor. Mm-hmm. And I asked him about how can uh, elementary school, that means that the school board had to approve it. It's taxpayer dollars. This happened in February. It was only a block away from the town hall. And I said, nobody said nothing. It was on News 12. He said government and school and state is two different things. So he tried to weasel himself out of it. Then we had a meeting Wednesday. Now they said it was going to take a vote, but they end up not taking a vote because we had about 10 people there. And we had all the artists who approve of ministers staying on the wall. And the other images, me, they want me off the wall too because they, they dislike me.
He just just like um, Minister Farrakhan. So um, we went and we went to the meeting and um, at the end I asked them, are they taking a vote? They said no. They, they said what vote? So they didn't take no vote, but News 12 is our local like TV um, newscast and they said um, Paul Feiner said that he's going to send a letter to the artist and if he don't show up, that um, if we don't take it down, they're taking it down this week. This is the fourth week that they claimed they was taking it down, and it's still up there. So um, that's where we at with it. We still understand still, but like my friend Michelle Brown, she's been in this. She's an advocate for for Westchester, for Greenberg, and far beyond. She's uh, like I tell you, she's a forensic accountant. And she don't like talking about that and bragging about it, but I like to because numbers is her game. And she's been just advocating for fair housing and everything that goes on in Greenberg. And I'd like to introduce Michelle. Michelle? Yes, hi. How are you? Oh, thanks for having us. Um, and thanks for keeping the light on this. It's so important. Um yeah, everything that Cliff just said, that's what's going on. You know, for me, as a forensic accountant, I just wanted to follow the money. I mean, it's all a mute point if you pay the artist. So I foiled the invoice um, that the artist presented to be paid for, and I foiled the check to see who signed it. And I also foiled um, any contracts that they had. So I read the contract. I looked at the invoice that was presented. It was it was approved. It was signed for, and there was a ten thousand dollar check cut. About a week later, someone told um, Supervisor Finer, "We don't know this to be true." You know, I got to say up front, this man lies. Um, for me, he's a very fearful man. Um, he's afraid of the power of um, a man. Um, Minister Farrakhan, he's afraid of black people organizing and mobilizing. I had told Cliff that this mural was going to unite us in ways that we've always wanted to be united. We advocate, advocate for our community, our people. And sometimes, you know, all of our people don't always show up. But I knew that this mural was going to reach places that, um, and, and hearts and minds, you know, um, and had people show up and, and stand up for themselves in their community. So all I want to say is that this was approved. Um, that's why that mural, that mural um, is there, and that's why Minister Farrakhan invited Mr. Finer to walk down the street and take him down. He can't. Um, I'm a forensic accountant, and what I do is I look for misconduct in accounting. There's no misconduct there here at all. The vendor, which is um, Kindu, artist, artistry, he did his side, he painted the wall, you know, um, he presented the invoice, um, it was to their satisfactory, and a $10,000 check was issued, it cleared the bank, it never had a stop payment, there was never anything in writing suggesting that there was any fraudulent um, activity surrounding the payment of that um, invoice, Nothing at all. And then to come back and attempt to amend 
a contract to a date that initiated initially happened. I'm sorry, I'm laughing. It's so it's so they think our people are just um, stupid, you know, like they think that we are uninformed, uneducated. Um, they keep that myth um, going in our community, not by us, but by these European people that show up as Europeans, as Paul Feiner is doing, trying to use his political power. But yet, on the other hand, as a Jewish European, that's crying um, like a victim, you know? Um, I just want to see how this plays out. I want us to keep showing up. I don't want the light to be um, diminished. This is very important. And just we just have to stay focused um, and stay consistent and stay in the truth. The truth is he paid for it. He approved it when he cut the check. And his signature's on the check. And that's it, the end. Period. Now, if he wants um, to not continue with the second part of that mural with this artistry um, company, <clears throat> he has to litigate or he can pay him out, buy him out if the artistry company, you know, accepts this and move on. But um, he can't just go bully and lie and manipulate his way out of this. Too many people are watching. And this is an election year. We have two black council people on this um, board. It takes three people, council members, to change anything. Now we have to go to these two black council members and ask them where they stand. You know, one thing is to vote and not win. That's fine because it takes three. We have two. But it's another to stay in silence <laughs> and do nothing and, and vote um, underhanded and act as if um, they have no accountability at all. They have to be held accountable, and we have to also hold them to a standard. Otherwise, um, why are they there? So thank you again. I really appreciate what you do. Cliff, I can't say enough about you. Um, you've advocated for this for two and a half years by yourself, and you're taking a hit from your own community that is not supporting some of your things that you do. But you stand with love, brother. You have people here that are putting their arms around you. I'm here. You have many people that stand with you. And just stay on that. Stay in love. Stay in the truth. And let's just keep, you know, fighting the powers that are trying to, as I say, commit genocide on us every day. They don't want us here. And any way they can take us out, they're going to try. So we have to fight for our lives. Like today is our last day, and it depends on it. So, thank you again. I well, really appreciate you. Well, Sister Michelle, st stay with us. Uh, Richard, uh, yes. jump in here because I know you want to uh, to uh, ask some things. It was it's, um, what Sister Michelle brought up about the contract, and so um, as you read the contract, um, I guess the question that comes to my mind is um, you're, you're stating that the I guess the township is a contract makes the township binding with the artists and that they executed, the artists executed it in good faith. Is, is Correct. And so if the uh, town supervisor, and you kind of alluded to this, also if the town supervisor um, um, is, is pushing for an amendment to the contract, um, 
is he is he doing it in the name of the township? Um, therefore, no. the people. Um, and if he's not doing it in the name of the township, um, this amendment. Um, how um, you know from your vantage point? And I know you're you're just dealing with the accounting part, but how does that work? Um, is this you know like executive power? No, it's I just like any contract. You have a roofer. You're, you own your own home, and you have a roofing company come in, and you pay them. You say the contract's for $10,000. You buy the materials. You provide the labor. You'll pay them, a, you know, a third of it when he starts, a third of it when he's in the middle, and a third of it when he ends. Now, he gets to the first part. You pay him. Second part, you pay him. Third part, you got a little controversy, Okay. As long as that roofer has done everything he said he was going to do, provide the materials and the labor, picked out the color of your shingles, whatever you decided, you can say and do whatever you want, but he has not broken his contract. Now, you can go to him and say, hey, I'd like to amend it. I want you to do this side of my house, too. Okay, that's going to cost you another amount. Or guess what? I don't want you to finish my roof. Really? Well, you have to pay me still. Either way, you have to pay me, but I have to agree to that. I just say, you know what? No, I want to finish the roof and I want to get paid. So what happens is it's called a mechanics lien. You don't pay me. I don't finish your roof because I'm in good standing. I put a lien on your house for my money. You can't sell your house until you pay me. Either way, I get paid. So in mm-hmm. theory, Ken Du owns both those walls because he, he has a contract. So if he doesn't want him to finish the other side of the wall, Kendu has to agree that he's okay with being bought out for that next wall, or he could say, no, I'm not going to be bought out. I refuse your check. I'm going to finish my wall. And then what happens, right? Now we're in litigation. But nobody could touch nothing. Kendu can't go draw on that wall, and the town can't go erase Farrakhan. We're at a standstill. That's why nothing's happening. But a supervisor doesn't have the power to go and do anything alone. The only way it can happen is if both parties agree, period. Well, I like to say this, so everything Michelle has said, correct. But Greenberg don't work like that. You know, like Kendall signed her original contract. Paul Finer, which is speaking for the town board, sent him a main contract that say that Kendall had to or formed on everything he do. But Kendall didn't sign that contract. So Paul is talking about terminating the contract, but he can't terminate because they, any disagreement of the wall, right. the wall is still, the project still have to go on and you have to do it in town court or Supreme Court. But since Paul and the town board and, and, the, and the Negroes in Greenberg accepted, he just saying, he just stopped it. So he stopped at the town board because we have a platform and the platform have to get taken down and moved to the other side. He holding up any other town workers to do anything. So that's where we at. And now Kendall and us, we're working on getting a um, lawyer to move this forward because the national council of censorship sent a letter to Paul in support of Kendall art. And Paul didn't answer that back. So he knows he's been threatening every week for the last month that he's going to paint over minister um, image and my image. 
but he didn't do nothing because if he touched the wall, can he 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 could go ahead and paint over it, but he's gonna be for a lawsuit. Now it's Correct. it's interesting you brought up this because uh, that was one of the thought questions I had. The National Coalition Against Censorship, and one of the paragraphs says your demand as town supervisors. A supervisor appeared to be based on subjective interpretation and individual complaints, which is concerning to us. The practice of public officials using their power to arbitrarily remove elements of an artwork whose message uh, some individuals do not like violates principles of free expression. Government should not force an artist who has been expressly selected to create a public installation to modify their message in order to satisfy individual complaints in effort to give power to hecklers and embolden them for the future disputes. But what 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 I'm raising, um, what raises to me, and 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 Sister Michelle Ray um, also, um, and, and you're with the the event that celebrated the celebration of who we are event, um, the question of this, the politics of the community at this point, how is it fair to raise this as a question? Because I'm always interested in how are what Sister McKinney calls those sitting on the sideline. And I hear, um, again, Sister Michelle brings up in relationship to your work, Brother Clifton, that a lot of the community members were sitting on the sideline over the last two years until this particular event. How is this mobilizing as the election term comes up from your vantage point, looking at things politically? That's for you, Brother Clinton. For me? Yes. Well, it's like um, the prime is net. I'm a district leader. So next year, three seats is open. The two black candidates, Gina Jackson and Ken Jones and Paul Finer, he's a supervisor. His seat is up, but he usually go unchallenged. Paul been there 33 years and it's two year terms. That means 16 years they've been voting this man in. Mm-hmm. And a young lady went and ran against him last year. She did pretty good. But what she didn't do, she didn't mobilize the black community. She went into the white community thinking they was going to put her over the hump. And, of course, like Donald Trump, they, they say they, the woman claimed that he grabbed him by the P-U-S-S-Y. But they went in a booth. They said, he grabbed us feminists or do we deal with white power? And they pushed the lever down for white power, you know. And so what I'm planning on doing, I'm sure Michelle – we are trying to make sure people don't forget. Because in February, they have to go around and get their petition signs for a primary in June. And I'm trying to get the young lady, Tasha Young, to make a statement, to take a side. And what she's doing is she's sitting in a cut, you know, and don't really want to make a statement and take sides on what's really going on. She takes sides as far as in the background, but I wanted to make a statement to show the people whose side she's on. So that's what's going on. We're going to have to keep on pushing it. We got to let people know about the two blacks who don't support us. And hopefully we can gather them to come out and vote against you people. Or we find somebody to run against them. 
And I yeah. think this is an opportune time, and I say that because between Cliff and I, we have over 300 signatures on um, we went out and we started a um, petition against we wanted to see who really doesn't want this here. We got 300 people to sign. I got 120-something. I think he got, we should get a couple of hundred. So knowing that we can do, that's my point is, right, 300 people when that the last election – yeah, that's when the last election came down to less than that in votes where she could have won. You understand? So mm-hmm. we stay on this fact that one, I'm a call for an audit of the town. Um, oh, tell them about that, Michelle. So what happened was I asked a very simple question: Why did you sign the check? Like, forget all the nonsense, okay? He said that. He didn't know that it was being signed, that nobody brought it to his attention. So I'm like, really? So what's your policy and procedure on having $10,000 checks? Now, this is not a $5 check. A $10,000 check signed electronically by you where nobody has to come to you and say, hey, you know, where I've come from, people choose checks over 5 People choose checks over 5000 that they need to have another approval. So he's trying to say that the fact that he approved the budget for this particular um, program, which was $100,000, that as long as whatever was within the budget, he don't have to see it. Okay, that's fine. So then shut up about it being not approved, right? My thing is, what is the procedure on other items? Because I'll say this to say, this may sound petty to some, but a practice in a practice is 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 where you find stuff. They have buses that have been down in Greenberg in the community center since the pandemic. Department of Motor Vehicles required that in order for them to get their buses re-registered, they had to tell Department of Motor Vehicles who was driving and their medical history. So three years have gone by. These buses are still off the road. Yet, when I look in the budget, those buses are still being billed out to taxpayers. So um, for three years, taxpayers have been paying for buses that have been off the road. Where else is that happening at? You know, people think, oh, it's just buses. No, it's a practice. And here's another evidence of their practice. So it's time for Paul to go, period. And... He's not going to leave with some great accolade. He is not going to leave his legacy without some kind of connection of redlining even. They're building 113 homes in Greenberg. That's a lot of money coming into Greenberg, right? Out of 13 homes, none of them are set aside for affordable. Now, we all know affordable is not low income. It doesn't matter. Black people have money, too. Give, a, give us an opportunity. We can get in there. So, Tell them how much it costs, Michelle. They cost $1.2 million, and the average size of house homes are four bedrooms, right? Now, one home is set aside for affordable housing. Having had said that, that budget is going to easily be you know, well into, I would say, six fifty, seven hundred fifty thousand dollars. There's no black developers on our radar. 
people in the community are not being hired. We just did a big redevelopment in, uh, I say, re, not redevelopment. Well, it's kind of, that's what it is. We had five scatter sites of low-income housing, 165 residents, five different places throughout the town of Greenberg, where not one person who worked on that redevelopment even lived in New York. These people were from New Jersey. So all the money that it took to redo these uh, homes, these apartments, were done in New Jersey. So when gets their paycheck on Friday, they take them to New Jersey. They don't even go to the corner store and buy anything in the community. I mean, this is redlining. He keeps that going. Where this 113 homes are going is even insulting. It's an old black community where blacks used to own their homes and businesses where they were taken out from urban renewal. And they were put into these five scattered sites and scattered all over. Families were promised they could come back. They put in that highway. Now we have freaking car dealerships. We got Tesla. Like, really? Do you think someone inside of that those Tesla places have a job living in Greenberg? I did a, um, a survey. I went to, I took my car to Mini Cooper in Greenberg. I asked how many people that work here live in Greenberg? Not one person. Not even the person who washes the car. They're from the Bronx. They're from across the bridge. They're from New Jersey. They're from Staten Island. I mean, people travel two hours to that job. You got people right down the street. So my point I'm making is, is supervision the same status quo of racism systemic racism is of two black council members that are there that are not changing anything one's been there for 10 years and another who's been there i think maybe this is her second term i have no idea no, but no as far as she be this is her fourth year would be next year that's why she got to run. And Ken Jones been there 12 years. He'd just be that's, his third That's term. incredible. Do you know why certain towns have supervisors? Not all towns have supervisors. Some of them just have, are run by council members. When they put a supervisor in, one aspect of the work that is for a supervisor to do is fiscal. Many town supervisors audit accounts, prepare the budget, and with town board or council on financial decisions. Supervisors are in place because well, in addition to having a vote is to manage the budget, the money. That's why many municipalities and many townships do not have supervisors, but this one does. His job is to manage the money. That's what supervisors are there for. Many people don't know that, but that's why he's there in addition to other things. So I think we have to educate our people. We have to say, call a thing a thing. I know it's difficult for many people to wrap their mind around money and this, but we do it every day. We make a dollar out of 15 cents every day. Difference is we don't have the power that he does over managing it. We don't have the media. We don't have the people in place, like how many black forensic no, I don't know any other. I knew one young lady I went to school with. I don't know where she's at now. You know, in my field, I don't see black women doing this. 
we have to be willing to show up with what we have. You guys have the media. We have to stick with that. Cliff is on the ground, and he's out there fighting every day by himself many a times, you know? And I happen to know about money. We have to bring together the tools that we have, that we inherently have, come together and empower ourselves. And I believe that this election is going to look like none other. Whoever we decide, we, black people in Greenberg, decide to have there, no matter what they are, we have the power to make it happen. And it's happening now. We have, it, we're in a movement. We're in this, a movement means we keep moving forward. We're mobilized, and we have to every week, every day, keep singing the same song. Come on, people. We can do this. We're almost there. We can't give up. We are deserve this. We're capable of having it. It's ours. We tell you what to do. You don't tell yeah, us. But that, we've got that twisted. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's when we can, but it's hard to get these people together, but we got to work on it. You know, Elliot, as I pass it back to you, um, it's something that we always talk about. And I understand the difficulty uh, that I hear, um, not just here, um, you know, um, we've heard it in Mississippi. We heard it in, 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 um, when in Flint and, um, you know, the, 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 the point of developing the political representatives that really represent us mm. um, it becomes, like so critical, and uh, it's just it's just interesting as I hear um, Sister Michelle and Brother Clifton, you know, explain what's going on um, there. Uh, again, it just reemphasized um, the point that how necessary that is the development of political representatives that represent our interests, because obviously Paul Farnham mm. is representing somebody else's interests. You know, Richard, uh, I think interests and. The Jewish people, of course, they are religious. That's what I keep telling people, the religion. They are not a race of people. Actually, there's really no race of people. Race is created by Europeans. They're like, I don't want to go through that. But that's yeah, Bob, um, Brother Elliot, you were saying? No, no, this is what I want to mention in reference to what uh, Sister Michelle had mentioned about um, this uh Controversy now is bringing uh, the community together, and uh, and she she mentioned also that, that we had that, that black folks had the power in Greenberg to change their dynamic. Um, with it, with this uh, uh, quote unquote controversy that's happening, and some of our people starting to wake up, even if they're afraid to say something, they realize that. Uh, something is wrong. It's control being exerted mm. that they might not agree with. Um, I, I think it's important the work that you are doing and Brother Clifford is doing to shine the light, not only on this situation, but to shine the light on people that look like us, that's in power, that have nothing to say on this issue. Um, I personally talked mm. to the head of the NAACP in uh, Greenberg. Uh, her name I had her name written down. It escaped me. I think Janice her name was Jan- said, yeah, Janice. I was getting ready to say Jeanette, and she told me in a conversation that she was instructed to stay out of this issue. Yeah. Um, you, you know, it's 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 folks up there 
of the National Action Network is 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 uh, in New York. Um, I was told by Brother Clifton that one of the, his second in command has a church in uh, White Plain. Where'd you say? In Mount Vernon. Mount Vernon. So a lot of folks know about this issue, but they're not saying anything. I think that the, the light has to it's not only. black folks. Too. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, Sister Michelle. saying it's black folks, but it's, it's, it's black folks because we are, our minds have been conditioned. This is a religious issue. You understand? And that's why Paul keeps saying LBQ plus and Asian. Not one of those people have complained to him, by the way. But it's a religious issue. Kind is Paul polarizing. He is. There's things he says. I'd be like, what did he just say? But you know what? I say some random stuff that people are like, what did she just say? Is that all of who I am? Absolutely not. Is he all of what they think he is? Absolutely. These Jewish people that are religious are afraid of his religion. And that means they're afraid of his power. Again, I have have to, Sister Michelle, I have to disagree. Um, Not, not, okay. You're closer to the situation, that particular situation, um, than I'll ever be. But I don't, I mean, yes, people who are religious and have a religious social infrastructure are, are advocating something. And Paul Finer may be a rep, a individual representative of that social structure, but it is, it is power. And, and what Minister Farrakhan image represents the black people and what those of us who have heard what he advocated besides not what they don't like, but what obviously Mm. mentioned the school, you mentioned the rally, you mentioned even his image being selected to be on the wall. What that image represent is that black people should be also organized socially in a relationship and control the environment, as you say, whether it be financial or whether it be by business or whether it be by the territory that you live in. That's what he's advocating. And that power, if black people even in Greenberg reflected that, means that the power dynamics in that area change to those others who obviously, through Paul Finer, who obviously been utilizing that power for 33 years. But sure. That, I agree. That's about power and social Can you network. enlighten us on why the black um, organizations, because I don't understand. I really don't. They, oh. I don't know if they want to be connected to him at all. And, and, but the point and, is, uh, Brother Rich, I didn't mean to cut in. Now, one black organization supported, supported us. Not to look, as Brother Elliot said, Janet, NAACP, Greenberg, Ellen Branch. I've been telling Michelle for years that they are a zero. We got the Black Political Caucus Woman, Greenberg, Ellen Ford. They zero. They need to take black off their name because anytime you really need them to stand up, they got to get permission. Uh, br- uh, I think br- we have to find a way to engage them and hope to find a solution. Well, well, you know, that's what me and Michelle are different at. Me and Michelle are different at because I've been in Greenberg my whole life. 
I've been dealing with these people, and what they're doing now, they always been doing. And they don't get engaged when it comes to something important. They get engaged to give out awards to something real simple, like to get something, go to the town board and get patted on the head like they pet Negroes. But when it comes to really doing something, they have done nothing for years. Let me, uh, b- um, before we transition to the second segment of our program, let me, um, Brother Clifton, um, right now you said that uh, things are in a holding pattern because they didn't yes. vote to take it down uh, right. and they can't move unless they make other arrangements with Brother Kendu and Brother Kendu, when right. he was on here, said that he he's standing firm unto uh, finishing that project. So yes. uh, right now, uh, things is in a holding pattern, but it's one thing that you can be assured of, that Paul Finer and whoever is in his camp, whether it's his religious organization uh, his religious brethren, or even blacks that agree with him, that they're trying to make plans to move forward. I think that we, as a community, and we'll give all the help that we can as far as putting this information out, that uh, the organization that is needed in that area, that you're a part of, Brother Clifton and uh, Sister Michelle, uh, we need to be planning a counter attack or counter offensive because yeah. believe me they're planning some type of offensive yeah. they're not just going to say okay do what you want to do because it's, it's all about control and I know that you realize that right and, and brother Vicks we're working on it right now I had I had a committee that was for the celebration now the committee is working on how we're going to combat what's going on we're looking for lawyers they helped us get the um, national council of citizenship so we 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 planning to. Okay, good. Um, but before you go, uh, brother Clifton, you mentioned uh, in conversation that we had that you were going over to um, to try to meet with Sharpton on this issue. Uh, how did you right. make out? Now, I was going to the National Action Network yesterday. I called Kendall up, and Kendall got a major problem. We're revving out. I don't know what it is, but, you know, even when it came to putting him on the wall, and he didn't want the National Action Network to have anything to do with this. Okay. Um, and and I'm, I don't want to say this because I'm trying to work with them because whether it's a personal thing or not, they do hold weight. Yeah, and, 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 and to be honest, they really need to uh, say something on this issue, uh, yeah. especially a person that touts himself as being America's number one civil rights leader. So he needs to make a statement, uh, 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 get out in the media. He needs to say something on this issue. Richard, go ahead. No, I was just I just wanted to make sure I'm clear on this. Um, Brother Kendall, um, that's the artist. Yes. And, 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 and it, Elliot, you know, we're, what we're – possibly seen and I'm I'm uh, I'm always looking at symbols you know um and trying to line up the substance to it um this is a, I mean he's taking it from a generational perspective when we look at what what um, brother Clifton as far as like what has made possibly his negotiation here we have another generation is saying I know these people don't represent us <laughs> and I, I 
I can't even see myself being engaged in a dialogue, honestly, like they do. Um, and that's something internal in our relationship to each other. We have to work out because, yeah. and honestly, he's not wrong. Oh, well, yeah. I'm, I'm, so I'm mistaken. <laughs> but I understand the position, you know, Brother Clifton, I understand the position of what you, and you know, you have to do. The power knows to exist. You have to yeah. communicate and be able to try to negotiate in order to resolve. But we we can't overlook that the generations that's coming up is recognizing this contradiction and is and and he spoke on on the program last time he was on and it tears them to their bone to where yeah. why don't want to even get involved in electoral politics. Mm-hmm. So we have to resolve that understanding that that's. I thought that was just interesting to bring out. Yeah, and, and, and I'm gonna say real quick, and that really like, I, I was going down there yesterday. Then I hold up, but also I still feel that I need to work with Kendall to let him see that part of it, you know. But you're right about this new generation ain't got no time for people that they feel that really ain't doing it. But I'll do more than what people think he do. I think. Well, uh, Brother Clifton, the, the, again, the door is always open, so you can come on, give us updates, uh, let us know what's happening. Uh, yourself, uh, uh, doing great work up there on the ground. Uh, Brother AJ and, and, and Brother Damon is trying to put the information out in print and in uh, the electronic to let people know what's going on. So uh, right. I'm glad I'm in touch with, with you men to kind of keep our people abreast. And anything that we can do to, to help out, you know what, one of the things, the practical, you know, Dr. King talked about the practical things that we can do. One of the practical things that all of our people can do, even if they don't live anywhere near New York, if you live yes. on the West Coast, what you can do is write your elected officials, write the NAACP, ask them why are they not involved in this situation? Issue us to, why don't you issue a statement? Just don't say anything. See, that, that makes things really look bad. And it makes some of our people, when some of yeah. our people trash some of their leadership, and then they turn yeah. around and say, oh, what you, why are you saying stuff like that? See, th- this is mm-hmm. why. Because they don't say anything. And that would, anything. You, you can't do that. Either you come out on one side or you have to come out on the other. You can't, you can't just play the middle of the road and act like this situation don't exist. So people can write there, if they're a member of the NAACP, write your leadership. Even if you live in Atlanta, if you live in uh, 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 Chicago, write the leadership of your branch of the NAACP. Ask them, are they getting involved in this? Talk with your churches. Talk with your mosque in your towns. Ask them, are they getting involved? We just can't sit back and just watch our people go through go through the ring in certain areas and just say, oh, well, that, that's what's happening there. It's not happening here. We can't do that. This is family. Brother Clifton, I want to thank you and, and Sister Michelle for coming on and spending some time with us this evening. And as I said, the door, is always, the door is always open to you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Peace and blessings. I'll be in thank touch. You. And thank you, Sister Michelle. For your, for your, for your input. Oh, you're welcome. I'll be in touch with you. You're both welcome, of you. and thank you for having us. All right. I really appreciate it. Peace. Have a good one. Okay. You too. Richard, we're going to take a break. 
and uh, transition into uh, guests on the second portion of my program. Yes. Activist organizer of the Black Liberation Movement in uh, Mississippi, Brother Patrick Lumumba is joining us, and also activist organizer and convener of the Nudity and Leadership Circle, Brother Siddiqui Combine. The second, uh, the uh, uh, Brother Patrick will talk about the second annual Black Liberation Building Power Summit that was in Coldwater. Uh, you know, I saw some, um, a uh, few pictures that, uh, was on, on, uh, on, uh, line, uh, and I saw, uh, brother Keels down there, Richard. Oh yeah. I saw a picture of him, uh, uh, down there with, uh, brother Patrick. So he's down there. I, I, I don't know whether a uh, brother Carlton, professor Carlton Jones is there, but he might be, mm. but I know he's, uh, a, I saw brother Keels down there. I think they, they were in, uh, some deliveries there driving, uh, uh, some water and he was, uh, involved in, uh, in distributing uh, water in the community. Oh, okay. Great. Great. Yeah. So Great we'll transition into the second part of our program. Brother Siddiqui will be joining us to kind of billboard the national black leadership summit. Number six coming up, uh, September the 24th. And one of the keynote speakers is going to be Dr. Cynthia McKinney. So, uh, we'll spend some time with both men. After we take a brief break, uh, we'll be right back. You can join the conversation by dialing 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. Time for an awakening. We'll be right back. Listening to Time for an Awakening. Time for an Awakening with host Brother Elliot and Brother Richard on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at Time for an Awakening at gmail.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American-owned and operated insurance agency in business for over 20 years, located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services, representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 21- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. I transformed a $24,000 a year odd job handyman service into a seven-figure high-end custom home builder and commercial contractor licensed and operating in three states. This is just one of the tangible transformations I've created for entrepreneurs in various industries around the country. If this isn't what you think of when you think of accounting and business consulting, then get ready to take down this invaluable information. Are you an entrepreneur suffering with a stagnating company? Have headache customers, staff, or vendors? 
Are you rebounding from a loss and need help achieving your unrealized potential? Or are you a startup who wants to get it right the first time and avoid the costly mistakes? Hi, my name is Nataki Kanban. If you're ready to go beyond advising and coaching and get results, then call 301-244-9072. Let New Business Solutions recommend and implement the best comprehensive sales, administrative, human resources, accounting, and operations to help you grow into your vision for yourself and your company. Again, from anywhere nationally, call 301-244-9072 or pull us up on your device right now and book your free consultation at www.newbusinesssolutions.com. And just mentioned you heard this special announcement on Time for an Awakening. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. For 12 years, I and others like me had held out radiant promises of progress. I had preached to them about my dream. I had lectured to them about the not-too-distant day when they would have freedom all here now. I had urged them to have faith in America and in white society. Their hopes had soared. They were now booing me because they felt that we were unable to deliver on our promises. They were booing because we had urged them to have faith in people who had too often proved to be unfaithful. They were now hostile because they were watching the dream that they had so readily accepted turn into a frustrating nightmare. And so the collision course is set. The desegregation decisions and other type of legislation and Supreme Court decisions depends upon changing the white man's mind. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad teaches uh, us that our own mind has to be changed. We have to change our uh, mind about ourselves. In what way? Well, so he uh, teaches us the importance of moral reformation, uh, a knowledge of self. And, uh, for instance, the average so-called Negro, he doesn't think that he can uh, go into business and provide jobs for himself. And because of this, he thinks that he can only get a job from the white man, or he can only get clothes from the white man, or he can only get food from the white man. And we who follow the Honorable Elijah Muhammad are taught that uh, the same thing that the white man has done for himself and his kind, uh, if our people could uh, be uh, wrecked, if, they could, if we could be cured of our slave mentality that was uh, indoctrinated into us during slavery, we would realize that just as the white man can do these things for himself and his kind, we can get together in unity and harmony and do the same thing for ourselves and our kind. not wondering at all about them. What I'm concerned with the suffering and the pain of the masses of black people. No one wants to pay reparations. The Jews received over 100 
billion dollars in reparations and gets four billion annually. A Holocaust museum was set up for them on this soil for over two hundred million dollars, and they get two twenty-one million annually just for operating expenses. But the Catholic Church, the Pope, the Jews, the Arabs, white people in general, no one wants to pay reparations to these, the sons and daughters of Africa. So I speak to them. I don't speak. I speak to them. I don't speak to the family of those two Jews. There are too, too many of us for me to speak to them. And one of the reasons why I'm always happy to come to this organization, because you're the only one, you're the only black organization, again, that understands to put race first. Race first. Race first. And I've had some white folks to tell me that I was a flaming militant, a radical, or whatever all of these names were that they called me. And I said that I am very pleased that you called me a nationalist, because you could have said that I was a member of the NAACP of the Urban League. So I said, I'm very pleased of the names that you have given. But I said that because we put race first, something is wrong with us. But everybody else puts their own first because God blessed the child who has his own. And so I think that race first is very important. And though we meet in a different venue, we're not at the slave theater, we're not at the church, we're now at the Masonic Temple, it really does not matter where we are physically. It matters where we are in our minds. And wherever we meet, as long as we know that we're Africans and as long as we know that we are black people living here in America, we know exactly who we are. You notice you can put an Uncle Tom in any venue in the White House. You can even put him in his. He's going to still be a Tom. You can put him anywhere you want. Well, it's the same thing with us who are strong people. Wherever we are, we're going to be the people that we need to be. encourage let me just say this before our time winds up and that is I want the people in the audience to go back and look at the video clip from Roots it's entitled something like breaking Kunta Kente that scene opens with Lauren Green uh, sitting in who's the plantation master sitting in his office and then Fiddler comes in and says um, uh, we don't want to be too hard on the runaway. Kunta Kinte has just run away and been caught and um, so the time comes for him to get his lashing. And if you look at this scene, it's about nine minutes, and study the scene, study the role of everybody or bodies that are in this particular clip, and you will find 
that there is an equivalent role in the political life of our country today, whether it's on the national level or on the local level. There's the black man who actually does the whipping of Kunta Kinte. There's the white man who does the whipping. There's the black man who intervenes with the boss man and tries to save the life of Kunta Kinte. There's Kunta himself, who eventually is forced to admit that his name is Toby. And there's a, there's dozens of bystanders, black, who are watching. This, this is a very powerful thing. And it's an analogy of exactly what is happening in our community today. Let's give those characters names in our community and call them what they are and then take care of business about that. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. It's 8.13 here in the city of Philadelphia on this Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening. <clears throat> you can easily get involved in the conversation with a question or comment by dialing 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. Uh, we're in the second portion of our program tonight. Uh, special guest, activist organizer of the Black Liberation Movement down in Mississippi, Coldwater, Mississippi. Brother Patrick Mumba is joining us, also activist, organizer, and convener of the Nubian Leadership Circle. Brother Siddiqui Kamban up there in Boston, Mass. will be joining us very shortly. Uh, let's bring on uh, Brother Patrick down in uh, Mississippi. Brother Patrick, can you hear me? Brother Patrick, can you hear me? Yes, sir, Brother Elliot. Yes, sir, Brother Elliot. Can you hear me? I hear you, sir. How are you? All right, right. We're going to be a little challenged. Uh, we, me and Akil Parker is on our way back from Jackson, Mississippi, and uh, we're traveling down the highway. But uh, I can hear you, and hopefully you can hear me, so we can we can continue. Brother Akil, how are you, sir? Yes, yes, sir. Brother Akil is with me. You know, we just finished okay. the sixth annual Black Liberation Movement Building Power Summit. Uh, we had a joy's time and again we've made some critical connections across the country uh mississippi on the move you know making the vital uh and critical connection so he came on down to jackson mississippi with me uh we wanted to end the summit with a humanitarian mission so we loaded a trailer uh full of water and we just got done uh dispensing that water throughout the critical uh communities in jackson that needed it most and uh, we headed back north. You know what? Uh, before I ask you some questions about the the summit, um, and uh, and leading into uh, a brother Sadiki's uh, gathering up there in Boston, let me let me uh, let me share with you this uh, article that was sent to me by one of the listeners. It was out of the Jackson Advocate. It said they did, at a press conference on 
Thursday. It says uh, the Jackson water system has been restored to its original state before the current crisis, says Governor Tate Reeves announced at a 1 p.m. press conference on Thursday. The boil water notice for all city of Jackson customers have been lifted. But uh, pregnant women and children under the age of five should still boil their water. I mean, what, you know. That's not true. <laughs> but but that, wait, that is not true. I, I'm glad that you said that. That's not true. What, what, what do they think? Okay. Our people are stupid. That, that, brother, I, I, I'm chopping at the pit, brother, because these political uh, lies that being narrated uh, through our uh, through this media, not our media, because if it was our media, we would be uh, parroting and narrating lies mm-hmm. on our own condition. But I just left a place. Uh, in Jackson, that's so poor. I haven't seen any of these uh, homes, any of these people, any 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 news coverage, even from the local news on these areas. Tay Reed lied. If that's what he said, that's a blatant lie. I'm sick of it. We just left out of the hood in Jackson, Mississippi, and we were talking with uh, brothers and sisters. I can send pictures. I can send video footage to corroborate. What I'm saying, I just left house that still has brown water coming out of the fire. So that's a that's a lie from the highest uh, uh, political official in the state of Mississippi. That's an outright lie. You know what? Let, let me uh, 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 throw this in there with you before I pass it back and pass it to Richard. Um, the <laughs> man, I'm telling you. And 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 before I pass it to Richard, uh, help me with this, brother Patrick. By him making that statement on Thursday that the the boil, the water emergency is over, according to what he said, and the water system have been restored to the original state before the crisis. That means that the any national guard or any other help that was supposed to be there is is a. Uh, is basically instructed to leave. Am I right? I'm sorry. I'm sorry, brother Ellie. Repeat that last part. You didn't say it. I'm sorry. I couldn't hear you. Okay. By by the governor issuing that statement that the water emergency is over, that means any of the National Guard or anybody else who was there, any of these governmental agencies that was there distributing water, is basically instructed to leave. Am I right? That would that would be correct. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, Richard, jump in. I was I, I'm interested in what your um, you said you have film, video, footage of of and, and well, let me say um, to you and Brother Keel and and those who have been supportive. Um, once again, um, um, kudos for the work that you're doing and. And providing some relief, and probably to those who uh, receive some um, sense of compassion. And I know you talk about compassion as it relates to us. But I'm, I'm wondering. I'm always wondering how much does this politicize um, community members who may not have been politicized before? So I wanted to know if you got any indication as you were doing this um, task that um, black folks in Jackson in the areas that you interacted with uh, political awareness, meaning their organizational 
um, engagement may be greater than um, maybe any time before. Um, what's, what's your answer to that? Actually, Brother Richard, I appreciate the question because that's a serious inquiry, and uh, let me speak to it. Uh, it was a brother that pushed a grocery basket, and I see that that's common in this poor area, area in Jackson that we, we were in. Push the grocery basket across the street where we parked our trailer for water to come over out of the hood to get water. And when I I told him I want to talk with him, and I went to talk to the brother, and I said, brother, I said, is this your community? He said, yes, this is my community. I said, you 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 from here? He said, yes, sir. He said, are you a vet? Are you a veteran? He asked me, was I a veteran? I told him, I can't, I can't, I'm not a veteran, but I am part of the army. A black man, and he said that uh, you know he had been in Jackson all his life outside of serving in the United States military. And as I looked at the brother, I mean, totally impoverished. And I looked at the community that he had pushed his basket out of. He began to tell me. He said that you know the mayor uh, ain't doing his job, and it gave me a um, an idea in a microcosm. You know what the people of that community was thinking. And I told him, I said, well, I said, brother, I said, Antar has is tied in a certain, in, in, in a lot of uh, aspects. And there's some things we need to understand to understand our condition out here. And uh, he said, yeah, you're right. I said, so let's not throw that whole blame on Antar. And what I'm saying is saying that, brother Richard, brother Elliot, is that our people's political understanding the political aptitude of our people in the masses, we're not totally understanding of how these politics work. Uh, Jackson, Mississippi, like I have said, is under environmental racism, is under structural racism. A lot of water fell coming into Jackson because of the road damage, you know, and we had to get that right. But what I'm saying is it's also under political uh, racism from the federal to the state level. You know, I think we have corroborated reports that the governor's mansion in Jackson has his own freshwater tank uh, truck pulled up on the mansion privilege. So it's a it's a whole effort to embarrass the politics of Jackson, to irritate and frustrate the representatives of Jackson against their own leadership. And it's some something critically critical that we should have down here in Mississippi in this uh, black, black metropolis. So I appreciate you all for having us on and asking the right question. You, you know, um, and to all of you, I want to, I want to position um, where we are um, in a, in a historical um, perspective um, and, and, and share, because I think as you raise in the relationship to our community and even um, the activities of, what we're doing, because to me, um, what we're doing in the 22nd century is the same thing we were doing in the 19th century as it relates to um, trying to liberate African people, um, trying to resolve a, a, a harsh condition. And, and, and I, I think it won't take me no more than a couple of minutes to go through this. And this is 18, this is 1835. Um, at, a national convention in Philadelphia. Um, we had observed that in no country under heaven 
have the descendants of an ancestry once enrolled in the history of fame whose glittering monuments stood forth as beacons disseminating light and knowledge to the utmost parts of the earth, been reduced to such degradating servitude as under which we labor from the effects of American slavery and American prejudice. The separations of our fathers from the land of our birth, earthly ties and early affections, but it led to a system of robbery, bribery, and persecution offensive to the laws of nature and justice. If, under whatever pretense or authority, these laws have been proclamated or executed, whether under parliamentary, colonial, or American legislation, we declare them in the sight of heaven, holy, null, and void, and should be immediately abrogated. I just thought that as we talk about these this conditions in 2022, that we understand, as, and as I hear, even in the work that you're doing and in, and, and in the discussion that we'll have of the conferences or, um, you know, what we're building when we're talking about um, black liberation or black leadership, that we're no different in our objectives than we were over a hundred or more years ago. It just seems telling. And I want to make sure the Time for Awakening audience understand that we're not dealing with some, you know, incident that's just happening. I apologize. I didn't lose you, did I, Brother Patrick? Yes, sir. Okay. Richard, did, did you finish? Yes, Brother Patrick. Um, did you did you hear uh, what uh, Richard was saying, or did I lose you? Yeah, I did hear some of what he said, but I can't I can't uh, think out what his specific uh, question was. Well, I think he was making a comment based on uh, what our people's cry was back in 1835 at a political convention that is basically no different than it is now. Oh, no. Exactly. Without a doubt. You know, and that's what our Building Power Summit, and I hope you have Brother Siddiqui uh, uh, Cabone on, Cambone on, uh, uh, hopefully we can grieve some of the same things, but our Building Power Summit is basically designed, you know, to uh, remind our people, you know, of the critical things that matter. I think it was uh, Neely Fuller, you know, that said that history is not just there for us to study and and, uh, and look back at the, you know, I guess I would say the glory of our people. But history is designed for us to look back and figure out our mistakes. You know, and we just left a town talk uh, in Jackson, Mississippi. We leaving a town talk after we got through distributing this water. Okay. Young brother, D. D. Monterio Gibson, uh, you might have heard of him. He would have been the next Ahmad Arbery. I mean, same copycat situation, shot at by a father and son tandem here in Brookhaven, Mississippi. And if the brother wasn't driving a oh yeah, he, truck, he, he was the one that was driving. On he was the one driving the FedEx truck, right? Yeah, he was the one driving the FedEx truck. We just left that brother. Okay. You know, me and brother Akil, we just left that brother. 
in the town talk because Nick Bell was there with us too. These are the people that we bring into Mississippi to help us to build the continuity that we need, you know, that our people need to see. So Brother Nick Bezel, myself, Akeem Parker was there with this brother in the town talk because we have an issue that's unresolved. Uh, the, 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 the white men who uh, attacked and attempted to murder D. Monterio Gibson that day uh, have not even been charged uh, with uh, uh, attempted murder. They have not even been charged. They don't even have a court date. So if we sit here today and we think that we're in a better situation because it's 2022, then we're simply fooling ourselves. You know, we're not doing any type of critical analysis. We're not even looking at the world in a real perspective. You know, so that's why we have things like the Black Liberation Movement, Bill of Power, something to remind our people and to bring us to a critical understanding of our reality. So, no, 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 sir, uh, Brother Richard, you know, uh, our, our conditions have not changed. We just got bigger paychecks. Wow. Uh, you know what? Um, to to kind of add to this discussion, uh, Richard, you, you didn't want, did you want to uh, follow no, up with a comment? No, no. To add to this discussion, we're going to bring on Brother Sadiqi Kamban to, to join in, chime in with some of the things that he's been hearing uh, about what the, uh, Brother Patrick and some of the other brothers with him and sisters down there in Mississippi are, are doing. Uh, Brother Sadiqi Kamban uh, coming on to billboard the National Black Leadership Summit number six happening uh, next weekend, the, the 24th. And one of the featured speakers is going to be Dr. Cynthia McKinney. Brother Sadiqi, are you there? Brother Ziggy, can you hear me? Brother Ziggy, uh, he must be—he's here, Richard. He uh, must be muted for some reason. I'll, I'll bring him loose so he can come back on. Uh, Brother Patrick. Um, Talk yes, about sir. talk about some of the things that happened. I, I see that brother Nick uh, Bevels was there uh, with the Elmer Gantry yes. uh, 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 Gun Club. Uh, some of the other participants. Talk about some of the other participants that was there. Some of the things that was covered. Yes, sir. Well, we also had to like the brother Professor Carl Tone Jones. I'm very uh, sure you're familiar with him, and we always want to gleam light on his uh, uh, project that he produced. Uh, a few years back, the Independent Day Project, was a, which was a, a, a nicely done work uh, talking about uh, the black community and basically practical application. And uh, me and Brother Carlton Jones and, and Brother Kill Parker have been uh, connected for some uh, some years now. So we still continue to try and get the work done. We also were graced with the presence of elders like uh, Baba Kamal Kareem, who is the lead counsel general of the Black Liberation Movement, and he's pushing forth legislation right now to free up 150,000 uh, votes uh, in Mississippi uh, that have been stripped of, 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 of incarcerated brothers uh, that, 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 that under the laws of Mississippi uh, are not uh, qualified to uh, get their voting rights back. So Brother Kamal Kareem, is, uh, he unleashed uh, a, a piece of uh, documentation that we're going to push uh, through the con- Congressional Black Caucus, uh, as we are already doing it uh, under the banner of the Black Liberation Movement, uh, to free up those votes. And we're getting a real strong push behind that. 
We also had Brother uh, Dr. Laverne Murphy out of Chicago, Illinois. He's a native of Mississippi. But uh, he, he's out of Chicago, Illinois, and uh, he runs and heads the New Life Movement, Chicago. So he always comes down and bless us uh, with his uh, immense knowledge on politics and his immense knowledge and understanding our history and where we should be going. So we always bless uh, Brother Elliot and uh, Brother Richard uh, every year. We were down in participation, but we always blessed every year with the Black Liberation Movement Field of Power Summit. You know, if we um, if we look up back uh, look back at some of our ancestors, and especially Kwame Ture and others that was down there in uh, uh, yes, Mississippi, uh, Charles Cobb and others, they really tried to organize yes, the people politically and develop leadership. And, and and when I use that term politically, I'm not talking about this Republican Democrat type of stuff that we're familiar with. I'm talking about developing leadership among our people, organized leadership to advance our people. And if you're talking about Democrat and Republican, we know that this system is not about advancing our people. So if you're talking about leadership to advance our people, then we're talking about organized leadership that's in opposition to what we see here presently. Right. Right. I see Brother Siddiqui Combine is with us, but he can't. I don't think he can hear me. Brother Siddiqui? Uh, yeah, well, he's having no problems. Uh, let me try to help him. Richard. I'm lost. Richard, Richard, are you there? Here I, yeah, here yeah, Richard, I, I, I got to uh, facilitate Brother Dickey. Uh, uh, go ahead. You, you take it from here. So, so um, so, so how, how, well, what did you, what were the outcomes, Brother Patrick, of the, um, the, the convention this year as far as what did, what, what transpired that, um, to build on through the year that, um, took place based off of the, um, activity this year? Yeah, uh, well, Brother Richard, I say this, you know, the Baylor Racial Movement Building Power Summit. <clears throat> It, 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 it basically serves the purpose of revitalizing and rejuvenating, and rejuvenating the, uh, you know, the, the people that are doing the work, that, mm-hmm. that, that the thankless work of, of liberation. You know, so just just us coming together. You know, mm-hmm. I call them black superheroes. You know, we look for, you know, uh, black people like a Akil Parker, like a uh, Carl Tom Jones, like a Nick Bell, who working in different areas where it matters to black people to come and they we, we all do a thankless work you know we all do a thankless work so it, it serves as kind of a a, a a retard uh and, and, and to get strength to galvanize the strength to continue to uh uh push for liberation and i, and I always tell people liberation work is like pushing a boulder up a mountain of mud so right. when you to meet with other brothers and sisters, you know, and you come to a place like Mississippi, and I was telling Akil because Akil really loved Kwame Toure, and, and you all know how Akil is, a mathematical man, and he merges history with man, and he, he's very successful in doing that. 
you know, I was telling him, I said, Akil, you know, what did it feel like to travel the same roads that Kwame traveled? You know, and we began to have a conversation about Kwame and, and, and what he stood for and what he came to do. Well, to know that the Black Liberation Movement is an extension of that work. You know, Kwame now came down here to help leaders that weren't getting talked about. You know, in the book, Akiyele compiled, the Amzi Moors, the Hart the Turnbulls, the E.W. Steptoes, they were already leaders here. But we don't get that national attention, you know, for defending our families and being strong black people down here in Mississippi. So when Kwame and, and Charles Cobb came, I've been studying Charles Cobb and listening to his interview, and uh, it was already black people who were down here that had already determined that they that uh that nonviolent stuff will get you killed, Mark. Right. You know, we already knew that. Charles Cobb had to learn that. So he went back and wrote about it. But it was black people who lived it every day. So to come down to Mississippi and, and to hear and to see, you know, the conditions that we have endured and uh the natural leadership that's uh emerging in Mississippi. The black liberation movement is an extension of what uh, Brother Kwame Toure and all of the brothers and sisters, uh, Mikasa Dada and all of these brothers and sisters who came down in the freedom struggle, we still fighting that battle. It's a uh, 2022 battle now, and the Black Liberation Movement is on the forefront of that battle. So we just come down to recharge and reconnect with each other and do the things that are necessary, you know, to push our people forward. You know, as as you you know, when you were speaking about and and, and brother Akil and, and and brother Carl Tolan Jones would know, and and I take it um, by some other reports, and I'm thinking of the water and and the pipes underneath and the and and the desperation that we all share because it seems that and it has been reported most of us when you talk about environmental racism um, right now, especially those who are living in um, in cities, or black people living in cities, are living under, living on top of these pipes. Um, whether we are in Chicago, Philadelphia, or Mississippi, um, in these cities, and, uh, and and so I'm saying that to say, um, when you're talking about rejuvenation and raising the question about even now with this incident that we're working, there is something of uh, commonality that we have to be able to continue to make our people see, no matter what part of the country we're in, we're dealing with the same political challenge of organizing and dealing with that environmental racism in relationship to the the, 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 the piping, the um, medical conditions that is created. I, I just... Um, as you were all speaking, that thought came to mind in relationship to if I was there, I wish I could be, um, how that rejuvenation that we are dealing with the same issues regardless in relationship to liberating ourselves from that, that type of condition. So I, I, I understand it. Is there anything that um, you think that we should that came out of that um, research of energy? that will go in the next year that you would like us to focus on, even if it is from the perspective of that we need to craft our communication. Uh, 
I'm sorry, brother Richard, uh, brother Elliot, but I can't hardly make out what's being said. I'm, I'm we in a very rural area. I'm coming through. And I can't hardly make out what's being said. I, I understand. Uh, I, I was just raising, raising the point of the Brother Siddiqui, are you there? Yeah, I think yeah, you're Yeah. Uh, you know, Brother Patrick, well, we, I'm going to put you on hold. You'll be able to hear, Brother Siddiqui, but I'll come back to you when you get to a better area. I, I heard you then, brother. That's good, brother. I wanted to hear Brother Siddiqui. Thank you. I'm going to bring you back in. Maybe you'll be in a back, better area. Yes, but, sir. but listen yes, to sir. him. That's fine. He's on now. Okay, good. Brother Siddiqui, good to have you yes, join I'm us. Here. I'm and, uh, <laughs> yeah. glad you work things out here because it appears that uh, the world of technology and I, we don't get along <laughs> too well. So I'm glad to be here. <laughs> Good. I'm glad to have you with us on uh, Time for an Awakening. You, uh, the National Black Leadership Summit number six. This is the sixth yes, one. Uh, yes, it's sir. coming up next weekend. Uh, mm-hmm. You and your sixth one, Brother Zadigi, talk about uh, the efforts that it has taken to consistently uh, do this to bring uh, black leadership, conscious black leadership from all over to discuss these situations, to come up with uh, agenda items and things to be moved on. To talk about the efforts that this has taken and the stick-to-itiveness that it takes to be involved in movements like this. You know, some folks, if they don't see results of a thing, and it happens all the time. I mean, Richard is active here in, in the Philadelphia area. And you see people that, that might be hot on a matter. And as soon as they don't get a response from the community that they would hope that what they would have, the next thing you know, you don't see them around. You don't see them as active. But, yes, I, I'm, you know, I, when I see men like yourself and Brother Patrick and others that realize that this is the long haul that we're in this for, we didn't just get in this situation overnight. And uh, we're not going to come out of it overnight necessarily. So just talk about the efforts that it takes to organize, to have the sixth uh, uh, gathering, and then you can billboard uh, some of the things that you're going to be going over in this uh, sixth gathering coming up on the 24th. Yes, sir. Well, first of all, let me uh, express uh, appreciation for the opportunity to put the word out here about the work that's being done under the umbrella of the Nubian Leadership Circle. And let me just uh, say, you know, I've been, I'm a grandfather. I've been there for uh, quite a while in the struggle for black liberation. And uh, I'm based here in Boston, Mass., but, you know, the Nubian Leadership Circle is based in uh, Washington, D.C. And so essentially uh, what it is is that, you know, uh, we had, uh, there's a group here that's all volunteer that I've had up for quite a while called the Black Community Information Center. And, and uh, just to give you a little bit of history, uh, we had the uh, Man Man March Mobilization Committee of Greater Boston. Uh, we had it up and about 50 buses. And I, I heard I heard brother, brother Patrick, I know during the uh, Flint crisis, that uh, we sent like two trailer truck loads of water down the Flint. Uh, we've I've, I've explained to you uh, today that some of the work that we've done here in, in Boston in terms of our primary commercial shopping district in the black community in Roxbury was named uh, Dudley Square, and it took us like nine years to get the name changed. It's now called Nubian Square because uh, Thomas Dudley, back in the 1600s, he was the uh, governor of Massachusetts and oversaw passage of legislation legalizing slavery. And he said we had to take that name down. 
among others that we've taken down. And so uh, what it is is that I know you're familiar with the fact that some years ago, based on suggestions of Minister Farrakhan, that uh, then NAACP President Ben Chavis uh, moved to bring together uh, black leadership. Um, it's called the National African American Leadership Summit, or referred to as NAILS. And so essentially what it is is that it was a, an effort to bring together our leadership from uh, all across the country, uh, you know, under the umbrella of NAILS and around some common issues. And so, you know, just being very uh, upfront about what happened was that uh, the, the the vision and the application uh, was highly energized in the in the beginning, but uh, dissipated somewhat uh, as time passed on. And so, what happened was that uh, people were contacting me saying, you know, we, we can't lose a valuable resource like nails, and could I? you know, step up and see if we could bring some folks back together. So we did that, uh, did a summit in Houston and Baltimore and what have you, and I won't get into the further details of what happened because, you know, uh, I, I did step down and, uh, and, and uh, Reverend Chavis did resume the leadership aspect. So uh, essentially, uh, Nails didn't achieve its ultimate goal, but it, it inspired me in terms of the potential that it had with my experience that I had with it. And so I, I, I did a blog for some years called the Nubian Leadership Circle and had a pretty extensive uh, following. And folks were reaching out to me saying, look, uh, can you work to see to it that the vision of the Nubian Leadership Circle uh, becomes a reality? And so that was the beginning. So about oh, uh, three years ago in Washington, D.C., in a restaurant, I met with about uh, 20 folks, and I had a draft of the mission statement for the Nubian Leadership Circle and it wasn't a matter of coming in with the draft and saying, okay, this is what the new leadership circle is going to be about. You all had a copy of the draft prior to this meeting, so let's go through it. So we went through it line by line and came up with a final document that led to the actual formation uh, of the uh, Nubian Leadership Circle. Now, the mission essentially is to uh, bring together uh, our leadership, our African slash black leadership, across the country and beyond uh, with a, a common agenda saying to folks, look, we're not asking you to give up your sovereignty, but let's set the egos aside and, and what can we do to mobilize our brain minds out here and resources and to form our own black nation. So uh, after our first summit and we had, you know, Minister Farrakhan uh, did the closing remarks and he and I had a conversation that, post-summit, and he said, well, Brother Sadiqi, and it gets back somewhat to what you were talking about, about or the other brother, uh, what you're, you and your folks are attempting to do, you have the full support of himself, the, and he says, and the Nation of Islam, and he says, understand, brother, what you're attempting to do uh, has never been done before, and it's going to be hard work and take a long time. <laughs> he was absolutely correct. And so what we're trying to do is to establish a base for the Nubian Leadership Circle that hopefully will uh, move forward for generations to come. And also I should mention the minister said, rather than annual, brother, you, know, sh you should consider doing it on a, a quarterly basis. So that's what we're doing. So as you mentioned, uh, we've got summit number six coming up uh, on September 24th. 
And essentially what it is is that the format, you know, we do these summits. You know, we've had Minister Farrakhan, Cornell West, and others for each one of the summits do closing remarks. But our ultimate goal is not to just do summits. They are organizing tools to bring folks together. And, you know, we've, we've had um, excellent turnouts. Of, I should have mentioned the fact that they were virtual, and the turnouts have been excellent. And so the core uh, apparatus of the Newman Leadership Circle is our, our eight cadres, and they're working cadres. And we've got uh, family essence, economic development, land and food, uh, communications technology, uh, spiritual renewal. Uh, we also have uh, international advocacy and health and education. And we have co-facilitators for each one of the cadres. And so what it is is that, as I stated, you know, our ultimate goal is not to have, just have summits. And what we, the vision is that we want to have Nubian Leadership Circle uh, summit satellites all across the country and uh, beyond, if you will. In fact, we've got some folks from London and uh, also uh, Haiti who are, who are working with us, along with folks here in this country right now. And we want to have that type of a symmetry, if you will, so that we can convene uh, conferences, regional, national, share ideas and resources, and, you know, just are coming together. So the theme for the upcoming summit is building a black nation through self-determination. And uh, it's, it's a matter of, you know, we're calling for folks to uh, participate. And the one thing that we do not do is we do not have a, a youth component of, of the organization. And there's a specific reason why, as I know that uh, yourself, Elliot, and other folks there that are with you, that we have a tendency to convene conferences and we have a youth component. And then we come back out for the plenary session to give reports. The youth give their report. And we give them a standing ovation and we say they're, they're, our, you know, they're our future. And then when we move forward with the process, the youth are in the background. And see, in terms of the Nubian Leadership Circle, uh, that's not what we want to happen. Uh, we, we've had a, a set of standards where anybody from 15 on up is welcome to participate. And even if some youngsters came to younger that want to do that <laughs> and have that type of consciousness, we welcome them also with the intent being that we want our young people to be uh, infused with the, the, all the ranks of the uh, Nubian Leadership Circle. Now, as it pertains to the upcoming summit, the 24th, uh, our featured guest speaker is uh, Congresswoman Emeritus uh, Cynthia McKinney, and we're really pleased and excited about that. Uh, it's going to be virtual. Uh, starts 9 a.m. Um, Eastern Standard Time, and the basic format is that, uh, you know, we have the preliminary piece there, you know, the Black National Anthem and, and what have you, the introductory piece. And then we break it down where the uh, cadre sessions are convened. The eight cadres break down in their respective areas to uh, go over their work. And then uh, we have the plenary session where the uh, cadre co-facilitators give their respective reports as it pertains to where their, their cadre stands at the present time. And then uh, we close out 
with our featured speaker, as I mentioned before, is Congresswoman McKinney. Now, as I stated, uh, we're not just about uh, summits. Um, what has happened now is prior to this summit, we've had the co-facilitators convene uh, what we're calling as working shops. Before, we called it work projects so that folks would come together prior to other summits to get, you know, to discuss what the, uh, what the goals and objectives would be. But now we're saying no more discussion about what the goals and objectives are. Uh, we want the uh, sessions, the working shop sessions to come about and be active as it pertains to what the work is that has to be done and will be done so that when we have the summit on the 24th, the reports will be given about progress made on the work that has been laid out and not talk about what we think it should become. So as I've stated, uh, you know, we want this to be, uh, that w this is the building blocks. Like I said, I'm a grandfather. I'm, I'm hoping that my grand, my grandson and his, his grandkids will continue to build what we're doing right now so that we can have a nation with, uh, within a nation. And like I said before, you know, this is not an exclusive club. This is open to African slash black people that feel like they want to participate. They can go to our website, which is www.nubianleadershipcircle.com or org, nubianleadershipcircle.com.org, or they can call our national number at 202-922-6527. Uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm, myself, uh, I'm, I'm really, uh, what's been sustaining myself is the energy that's being generated in interest, you know, like when, when I, <laughs> with, with, you know, your assistance, uh, like, for instance, the connection with our brother uh, Lumumba, never would have known about it. So he and I are in conversation. There's another brother who is uh, doing some work with folks in, in, in the, on the continent about the United States of Africa. So we're getting all kinds of connections and the enthusiasm is growing. And so that's where we stand right now in terms of uh, as an update. And so I'm open to any um, questions or calls or anything that I might have left out that you feel I should add. I'm prepared to do it. Hey, Brother Siddiqui, before I pass it over to Brother Richard, because I, I know he has got, got some things he wanted to uh, mention. Um uh, uh, Dr. McKinney uh, and her contribution to the uh, the leadership summit. Uh, mm -hmm. Now, <clears throat> when you <clears throat> excuse me, when you mentioned the eight uh, um, cadres, uh, cadres mm -hmm. you didn't. I don't think that you mentioned uh, 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 leadership or. or political organizing but the whole thing is under the banner of leadership so it wasn't exactly. it wasn't necessary to mention that in particular but my question is uh dr mckinney and her contribution what would she be uh zeroing in on it's just to well, go ahead basically uh we leave leave it at the presentation at the discretion of the future speaker and let me just say that uh, okay. the folks we've had and we were sure with congresswoman that she'll do the same thing as that we leave it at their discretion to do their presentation based on the theme. Okay. And so, you know, she has that understanding. And we know, I know you know, she's going to be very dynamic and inspiring for folks. And there's a lot of excitement being generated with folks when they hear the fact that she's actually going to be uh, 
presenter. But I think what's most important, and like I said, what, what really keeps me uh, really uh, inspired is that on an equal basis that there's a, you know quite a few folks who are really energized based on the, the process that we put out there in terms of trying to bring folks together, understanding the fact that in many respects, as someone said, this is on a timely basis because, you know, uh, we've always been under attack, but uh, more so now than ever, and we better develop our own resources uh, to sustain ourselves as African slash black people because when they talk about uh, overpopulation and uh, food shortages, you know who have, would have the most negative effects. So, like, for instance, uh, we're in contact with some groups across the country that are doing some major work around the issue of land and food and our land and food cadre folks are in contact with them along with just, you know, organizing the present folks that we have right now. So, uh, it's, you know, it's a huge, huge uh, process, but it's very much worthwhile when you see that it's producing the results that we're desiring. And as, <laughs> as you alluded to, I believe it yourself, you have to be very patient. And, you know, you know, let me just say that there have been some folks who have dropped out, but what it is is that, you know, for some folks, uh, coming on board it was like a, a new toy, but then when they realized, wait a minute, i got to be in this for the long run. But what's really been, uh, from my perspective, uh, energizing is that the bulk of folks who have been from the very beginning are still there, and more folks are coming on every day. So there's a lot of potential with what, what's going on here with the NLC. Good. Uh, Brother Richard? Yes, Brother Siddiqui. Um, and and uh, again, uh, I'd like to commend, you know, for the, the work in, in the stick to in, in relationship to um, this the nation building, nation governance process. And hopefully um, you don't see any distinction in the, the terminology. Um, um it's, Minister Farrakhan said that it's going to be a long process, yes, um, and 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 you're you're doing work. I'm I'm kind of interested in um, what has come out uh, so far as it relates to what is necessary to um, put together the infrastructure as it relates to nation building or nation or or as I characterize nation governance. What have the the summits brought out um, that may be um, of a need to know for uh, our listening audience. Well, you know, in terms of the NLC, it's uh, actually only been active for a couple of years, started in uh, 2020. And I think the most important aspect, when you talk about the aspect of uh, the infrastructure aspect, is that what we're seeing is that there's a lot of interconnecting going on out here. Like, like I said before, around, like around land and food, and in fact, in fact, being able to recognize the fact that there there are groups out there that weren't even aware of each other, that you know, like have farms, large farms, and have been working independently. And now, you know, like I said, I think we've identified about five to this point right now who have agreed to, in fact, start communicating and formulating a process wherein where they'll be communicating and working together and adding on others who will be able to, you know, once they find out about what we're establishing, 
So the, the big thing right now in terms of, you know, I, I refer to it as the infancy stages, is that folks, are, you know, like, for instance, uh, with what Elliot did in, t- in talking to Brother uh, Patrick Lumumba down in Mississippi. So that's the kind of connection that we want to make so that, you know, like, you know, Patrick and I, we definitely go and talk. And I'm sure he's got other connections down there. And, you know, so it's just about building a nation. And so, like I said before, that uh, in, in terms of what we're trying to build here is that we're actually bringing together folks who, in some respects, have some of the resources that you're talking about that we're bringing together to work together. And then at the same time, it's like, you know, I get responses or calls from some younger folks who are talking about they're interested in trying to do something out their own along the lines of one of our cadres, and they'll be involved in the uh, the summit itself. So, like I said before, the, the potential is enormous, but it's about being patient and not expecting that by next week we'll be where we need to be. Uh, this is going to be a long haul, and I tell you, I'm a grandfather. I expect, you know, I'm going to be handing this off at some point to younger folks to keep carrying the ball. That's what this is about. And, 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 you know, it's it's so interesting because this weekend in Philadelphia, um, the um, North Philadelphia Peace Party, and, and, and it ties to these connections that are make, being made, they had a um, three-day um, workshop conference um, in dealing with um, Black Land Futures. And I, I wanted to bring this, bring this up just to reemphasize your point of the connections that they're making because there's a Baba of Bakera, Taihimba um, from the Sayada Land Project in Alabama. Mm. Um, one of the um, 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 in people who were presenting, uh, Brother Truth from Liberated Farms in Detroit, who also yep. were here and presenting. So um, now, you know, um, as you're saying, um, I see as, you know, Brother Elliot, um, you mentioned Brother Elliot, you know, I'm being able to, you know, what it, I see other connections that um, of people who are already doing these things and just connecting. So um, that's another way um, where the mechanism of the communication infrastructure, say, the time for making, provides that resource, right, of making these kind of connections to provide yes, infrastructure for this. Um, Continuous nation building project. I, I just wanted to throw that out. Yes, well, that's important. And in fact, you, uh, the, the, the brother, I always get his name wrong. Comedian, if, if he's the same person in Detroit that's got a huge operation, and he's one, one of the five that uh, that group was one of we connected. But, but let me just say that's what I think what's really important about the NLC is that folks gain an understanding that it's not. We're not talking about. Okay, come to join the NLC, the Nubian Leadership Circle, and uh, we're going to, you know, take on the world. What we're saying is that we're coalition building and bringing groups together that can work together and, like I said, share, you know, bring ideas and resources. So it puts folks in a comfort zone that we're just not trying to come in there and say, well, you know, <laughs> drop whatever you're doing and come join what we're doing. We're saying no, we're bringing together folks who are doing good work out here and said, okay, what can we do in the spirit of cooperation? And, you know, the, 
<laughs> principles of Kwanzaa <laughs> and uh, how we can work together and be productive and do what we need for ourselves. Uh, Brother Siddiqui, let me see if I can get uh, maybe Brother Patrick's in a good area because I know he wanted to say some things to you while you were on the air here. Brother Patrick, yes, are you still there? Brother Patrick? Yes, sir, I'm here, Brother Ellie. Uh, I know you want to say a few things to Brother Siddiqui while he was on the air with us. Yeah, yeah, just a few things. Just uh, just uh, let him know that I'm 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 in complete uh, respect and admiration for what it is that he's doing. And as I sit here and listen to uh, what he's been saying, I I, I see, you know, that it is absolutely true that we're not as divided as we are disconnected. Yes, people around the country that's doing the same thing. I'm talking about black people. that's doing some of the same things, gleaming some of the same ideas. You know, Carl Tone Jones, um, in his Independence Day project, he talked about practical application. So, you know, down here in Mississippi, you know, that's uh, something that we really trying to uh, exact. It's the practical application. So, pooling all these resources together, uh, what are we really going to do? You know, where black people really going to situate themselves to determine, you know, nation-building process. But you won't build a nation at. You know, so we're looking at all those things, you know, in these critical conversations when we're bringing these people, you know, to Mississippi. And, and I want to hear more about uh, Brother Siddiqui and what it is that he's doing and the ideas of liberation that he perpetrates because we, we uh, that, that he's uh, corroborating so that we can get these things done. I'm so glad to hear about it, and I want to take part in it and be a part of it. So um, I'm very admirous of the job that, that he's done and that they continue to do, and you're right. It's not just about meeting every year and uh, conducting these summits. It's about getting some things done, done and organizing and uh, getting, you know, getting our people, uh, moving our people forward. Yes, sir. You're absolutely on it. And, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm really pleased. <laughs> to know that I'm going to be communi- communicating with Brother Lamoma down there in Mississippi. And I'm going to make sure that you get the inf- information for the summit. I know that, uh, Elliot, you got the flyer for folks who want to participate. All you have to do, the link is on the flyer. And you yes, can sir. register via the, via the link on the flyer and participate in one of the cadres, and, and we're good. You know, it's open. For folks yes, sir. I appreciate that. Yes, no, sir. No appreciate it. Brother Diggy, the um, uh, it just just wanted to uh, kind of veer off from the the uh, summit just briefly. Um, I don't know whether you heard the uh, first segment of the program when we had brothers and sisters, uh, uh, brother Clifton and brother uh, sister Michelle, on from uh, New York, uh, right outside of New York, Greenberg, New York, and talked about the. Historical mural in the black community is that's uh, oh, yeah. starting controversy because they want Minister Furcon off of the mural. Um, and you mentioned yeah, to me I about yeah. yeah, and you mentioned to me about um, the situation up there in Boston in a um, shopping district that's uh, uh, predominantly black. Mm-hmm. That a the racist governor's name was on, and you organized <clears throat> to get it off. And you're doing something now to get the Nubian placed on other things. Talk about the the organization that it took to do that, because I'm quite sure you just going out there yourself wasn't able to accomplish that. Talk- oh, absolutely not. In fact, I'm, I think it's interesting you said that 
Brother L.A., because they know I just, this past week I got a couple of awards, right? And so what I tell people when I get an award, I say, you know what? I said, I accept this in behalf of Donald and myself, but all the people who work with me <laughs> to achieve what we have achieved. And so along the lines of what you were just talking about is in Boston, uh, we have uh, quite a few <laughs> names of streets and what have you, monuments honoring former uh, folks who were supporters of slavery. So, for instance, uh, some years ago we had Washington Park, which is uh, a very essential piece for our community in terms of athletics and events. And so uh, I'm the director of the Black Community Information Center here, which is all volunteer. And so we led the effort to have Washington Park renamed Malcolm X Park. And then there was uh, New Dudley Street. And I should mention the fact uh, that uh, the former governor, Dudley, back in the 1600s, oversaw passage of legislation to legalize slavery. And so we had uh, the New Dudley Street uh, led the effort to have that renamed Malcolm X Boulevard. And so then in the same area, our primary commercial district here in Roxbury, uh, for black folk, uh, was called Dudley Square. And so that was our next target. So for oh, eight, nine years, we cannot. So the Black Community Information Center uh, was leading that effort. And there was so much momentum uh, behind that campaign and the number of folks who came on board that uh, we formed the Nubian Square Coalition as a component of the Information Center. And so essentially it led to a ballot question because of the fact that the then uh, mayor, uh, Walsh, who is now the secretary of, um, what is it, uh, not transportation, the uh, the other one there, I can't remember what it is, but he's labor, he's secretary of labor now well, with, with the president. Anyhow, we met with him and said, look, we want this name change. We've been working on this. And so he said, I can't agree to that. He said, but he was willing to put out a ballot question. So on November 5th, 2019, there was a ballot question for the community. And the community overwhelmingly voted in support of the Nubian Square name, take down the Dunn name. And so we were prepared to move next to deal with the state legislature, uh, at, the, at the Mass State House, because I had made a brief presentation there before the vote about the square to let them know about what we wanted to do with the square and potentially the station. So after we got the name change for uh, the square to Nubian Square, that uh, we were preparing the campaign for the uh, station to be renamed Nubian Station. It's the busiest transport portal in the state of Massachusetts. So uh, we were pleased because what happened was that before we were even, even able to launch a campaign, we got a call from our state representative who said that the folks up to the state house, based on the, the vote results, had already um, put up uh, legislation to change the name of Dudley Station to Nubian Station. So We've got two out of three. Uh, we want a trifecta. So we have the library. And so uh, we were assured in 2020 that uh, the community would have input in terms of what the name would be for our library, which was being renovated at the time. And so I was at a library trustee meeting, board meeting, and uh, 
the name change was on the agenda, but they said there would be no vote. And then what happened, we know that it was a backdoor deal that the then trustee board chair proposed that it be called the Roxbury Library, which we were against. So we're still uh, f uh, fighting that whole piece there, and the mo momentum is moving in the direction. We want it to be called the Nubian Library and something along the lines of the Schaumburg in New York because we want our young people to uh, basically not only be able to study there but to do research as it pertains to our history. And I'll give you an example. We have two high schools in the Nubian Square area, and so what it is is that I was talking to some of the young people there, oh, I think it was last summer, and one of the youngsters said, you know, Brother Sadiki, he said, you know, he says, I feel so good when I come out of school. I come out of school to uh, Malcolm X Boulevard. I walk down to Nubian Square, and if I want to head home, I can get on the bus at Nubian Station. And he says, I hope someday I can do my homework at Nubian Library. So, you know, a lot of times folks think that our young people don't pay attention, but they do pay attention, and they're proud of the name change. And folks say, well, it's just a symbolic act. It's much more than a symbolic act because the Nubian Square Coalition is still active. We're dealing with the developers who are going to be coming in and making it, and we're making it, because everybody talks about gentrification. And we've told folks we don't want to hear anything about, well, we're not going to be here now. We're saying that's a negative. We don't want to hear it. We're going to fight for the land that we pleasantly reside on, and we're not going anywhere. And, in fact, we got a group of young people that have a program called the METCO program, and they now do walking tours and what they refer to as historic Nubian Square. So they are so excited about that name change. And plus, they're doing research about their history. So, like I had some young people say, wait a minute. They said, well, we, we've been studying about the Nubian Empire. And, you know, that's, of course, that's one of the primary goals that we want, was for folks to understand our history and to take that history and put it within their mindset and actually inspire them to want to do what's necessary to improve the quality of life for our community. So it's it's been a a, a good experience. We're not finished, but uh, we, we're we hoping that uh, it will inspire folks in other areas to, who are doing something similar, but actually, you know, putting putting our name on the product itself. So when folks talk about the Nubian Square, they're talking about the most powerful empire in the world many centuries ago that most of our people, in particular our young people, knew nothing about, but now they're finding out doing their research. Richard, um, you know, it, it takes organization and community organization to do some of these things that Brother Siddiqui is talking about in a city as polarized as Boston. It, it, it's just basically Philadelphia is almost the same thing. You got an Irish contingent up there in Boston that's really polarizing and racist. So, Richard, what he's doing and has accomplished up there, it takes organization. But the thing is, and me and Richard talk about this all the time, is that the things being accomplished by our brothers and sisters in different areas is really unknown to a lot of our brothers and sisters in other areas because of the media. Whites dominate this media, and they control a large segment of black media. But it's, it's like a hide-in-plain-sight type of thing. It's a lot of people on radio or, or whatever 
that has a black face. But they don't discuss issues. They're on there laughing and joking, Amos, Amos and Andy satires, and everything's a laugh and a joke for six or seven days a week. When our people is really suffering in this country, issues need to be discussed. And the few programs that talk about issues talk around them. You might have one one program that I know of particularly that really deals with issues on a terrestrial radio. And that's Carl Nelson's show. The rest of these shows, whether you're talking about Sharpton, the, the Baldy, uh, not the Baldy, the Golden Eagle or whatever, they talk around these issues, but they don't, they don't go right at these issues and really deal with it because of certain issues they won't touch, like that issue right up in New York. I haven't heard any of that discussed on certain programs. I didn't know until you mentioned it to me. And the things that you're talking about up there, we don't hear it discussed. So, you know, that's what me and Richard try to do. We try to showcase what our people are doing in these areas so other people can either get involved or duplicate it in their areas. You're not trying. You're doing it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You're doing it. And Richard. And, and, I, and, and I told, you're totally correct about the media because I know, like, I've I've had some people say to me, they said, wait a minute, they said, uh, Brother Sadiqi, they said that the name changed. They said, we know that you give credit to a lot of folks that work with you. They said, but... You led that effort, Brother Sadiqi, and they says, and it's history making, but the media, they're not talking about you. And I said, well, look, first of all, I'm a black nationalist, and they don't want folks to be supposedly influenced by the mindset in terms of what my political framework is. In fact, I know someone, you know, we got the Boston Globe newspaper here, and a couple of years ago, uh, somebody from the Globe was in on an editorial board meeting, and they person who was in charge of that body said, Inspector folks, don't you say anything about Sadiqi Kanban mm-hmm. on the Boston Globe. <laughs> and I just chuckled, you know what I mean? Because that's what they do. You're, you're absolutely correct. And someone, because someone said to me, they said, well, there's an organization in D.C. that basically reviews and categorizes anything of the nature, say, like what we did here in Nubian Square. And they said they heard uh, this director of this program on national TV uh, talk about Nubian Square, yet they don't talk about it here in the media here in Boston. How they, they refer to Nubian Square in terms of issues, but they don't talk about the initiative by black folk that made that happen. Mm. And Richard, you, you know better than myself that Boston has a long history of activism, almost equivalent to Philadelphia with David Walker and others up there. Richard, speak to that issue. No, I mean, you mentioned it. I would would assume Brother Siddiqui could probably elaborate on it um, more than I could, but it's just in that that whole, and that's why I kind of wanted to share that convention of, you know, 1830s, which was not far afterwards, right? Um, And the thinking and and, you know, Brother Siddiqui, as you're laying out about the naming nomenclature and then in the first conversation, I'm hoping um, those um, in New York are hearing, because it sounded, and I don't know if you would agree, Elliot, it didn't sound like the same kind of, of, of I'm going to call it consciousness of victory, because you have to have that. Um, and therefore, this is what I would ask. And I know the question you asked me, Brother Elliot, but um, 
Brother Siddiqui, we would have to have a, a consciousness of victory to be able to um, pull off in a in a hostile environment that Boston is that type of galvanizing, um, you know, institutional changing as far as naming um, wouldn't you have to have that um, as an individual and how that, you know, reverberates into, as you gave the example, of young people, that, that, that sense that brings, not necessarily the change, but the sense it brings and reinforcement. Isn't that consciousness of victory in, in, imperative? Uh, I would say uh, you, you, you broke up a little bit, but I think yeah. you're saying something in terms of the, the consciousness. Yeah, a victory, yes. Oh, oh, yeah. Well, you know, it's, it, you know, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, there, brother, because it's because of the fact that uh, with the name change of Nubian Square, because of the fact that uh, it wasn't too long ago when if you brought up the issue of, uh, of Dudley, you know, uh, folks were referred to down Dudley, and of course right away it would be, oh, uh, nobody wants to go there, there's nothing but drugs and, and um you know, robberies and what have you, which was an overstatement because of the fact I tell folks, look, I, I live here in Roxbury and sure there's some things that I correct, but <laughs> there's folks who are living here and I'm fine. So let's not make it appear like, you know, <laughs> it's the end of the world here. But the difference is that with that name change that uh, particularly being embraced by young folks, but now every, you know, well, first of all, there's some new development coming in. And like I said, we're dealing with the, with the development folks to make sure that they don't just come in there and run roughshod and, and not have any kind of accountability. But every weekend this summer, there's been some type of a, a festival in Nubian Square. Prior to the name change, none of that was happening because of the fact that the, the square was just seen as someplace that nobody wanted to be. But it's a, you know, we just see what's going on right now is, is, a, is a building block, and family, you know, now we have folks who are bringing their families out to Nubian Square that weren't doing that before right now. So you're you're entirely correct in terms of that. There's a different perspective in terms of mindset now, because the people feel like you know what we did this, it's not somebody else on the outside or whatever. That this is something that we wanted to do, and we did it, and folks are proud. They're very proud. Richard, you, you know, when you mentioned what you said about it, it was a difference there when you were talking about the Brother Clifton and them and what's happening there, is that what you mentioned? Yes, yes. Well, yes. you know what? Go yes. ahead. No, no, no. That's the, that's the, you know, in, in them, even with the mural being that the potential catalyst, right, uh, of that, but they have to believe that. And that's what I hear Brother Stephen say. Well, they have to believe in that. I think what helps uh, the the uh, strength of belief is knowing that you have people that are willing to fight with you. Absolutely. Which Brother Siddiqui seems to have in that Boston area. Um, you see the the uh, willingness to fight by Brother Clifton and, and uh, Sister Michelle and others, AJ and others, but you, you notice that he doesn't seem to have the confidence that he can get the community behind him. You, you right. picked that up, Richard? Yes. Oh, yes. That's but the, if they keep yeah. putting it out there now, the sister came on and said that she notices a difference already, if you caught what she said. 
So I think the difference behind it is if they keep putting this information out there and more and more people will wake up, and then you'll have a similar situation that has developed in Boston that can develop there and develop in other places. But we and, that's, get, and that's what I heard with Brother Patrick in the um, the activity of going around to the different counties um, as they were moving around the communities they, that that sense of just them coming through and speaking to that was providing those communities with that kind of sense of of it, it's what we need right that that boast of of confidence that we can be about nation building regardless of what our condition is. I, yes. I don't know if that makes sense, but I, I hear the difference. I'm the brother in Seattle um, with Africa town, you know, um, you know, it's, um, and as brother Siddiqui is saying, people are doing these things. And I think that that's important and to emphasize that they're being done. It's not black people ain't doing nothing. Just, right. be, you know, um, bulldozer over or gentrified or, you know, poisoned by water, that we are engaged in our own constructive development. Uh, I think that that's important. Yes. And that's where the communication system comes hey, Brother Siddiqui, listen, I want to thank you for uh, being with us to, to kind of billboard things. Um you can always the door is always open to you. Come back oh, and and, uh, and talk. And you know what? Something that you said earlier. Uh, let me follow this up before you before we wind things up. You mentioned uh, about uh, uh, Mr. Farrakhan mentioned about not doing it once a year, but do it uh, more frequently. I think you said do it every quarter. Quarterly, quarterly. Are, are you looking to do that? Yeah, we've been doing that. Okay. We, okay. We just we just started. Actually, the first summit was in 2020, and we're at number six already. <laughs> so oh, so you okay? It's a lot of work, but it's it's productive, and because of the fact that it's not a matter of folks just sitting back and waiting for the next summit and saying, "Oh, it was a great summit, and I was inspired," and then they just wait till the next one. We said, "No, no, no. We, we this is about work." So then, like I said, you know, we we hope you, yourself and Richard and others. Like I said, www.nubianleadershipcircle.com or .org. Sign on up for our cadre and, and join us for this virtual session session on September 24th. We're going to do this. Now, now after September, the next one will be, what, four months? That'll be gen- January? Uh, in four months, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we start planning right after. We'll, we'll be planning on the 25th of September for the next one. Well, listen, this is what I'd, I'd like, uh, Brother Diggy, uh, being that you kind of see all of the uh, things going on with all the uh, – uh, the the ca- different cadres, mm-hmm. some of the young people that are involved. I'd like you to kind of uh, give me information on them, funnel them towards the program. I, I want to hear, uh, you know, I just want to hear from them. Give them a voice. Talk about why they're active, why they're doing what they're doing, uh, what inspired them. I, I do. I would like to hear from them. Okay, we can arrange that. And I, I would hope you're going to join us on the 24th, too, because, you know, I sent you that flyer so you can, yes. you can get a real sense of what's going on. I, I intend to uh, to broadcast some of it. We'll we'll, we'll work out oh, the good. particulars. Okay, we good. Um, I, you know, I appreciate this opportunity. I, I feel like I'm sitting at home with family when I talk to y'all. <laughs> <laughs> hey, 
And listen, I um, it's a brother that said uh, a professor that has been on our program several times, and he sends me and Richard different articles and uh, leads towards other people. Uh, and he's up there in Emerson College, up there in Boston. Do you know where that is? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, his name is Roger House. Do you know him? Roger what? House. No, I've heard his name. I've never met him though. I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna give you, put you in touch with him, give you his contact. Okay, no problem. Oh, yeah, I'm very familiar with Emerson. Good, good. Brother Siddiqui, thanks for your yes, contribution, sir. and we'll talk soon. Appreciate the opportunity. All right. Talk to you, Richard. <laughs> it was good hearing from the man, and, and good hearing from the, the initial segment of uh, um, because, you know, uh, uh, Brother Siddiqui has been on. He hasn't been on as frequently as, uh, as uh, Brother Patrick. But uh, he has been on before talking about, um, you know, what's being developed up there in the Boston area. And it seems to be something that needs to be talked about in other areas. Because, uh, you know, I, I like what he said about um, <laughs> some organizations that have the young folks come on and present. And then they say, oh, that's great. And then... <laughs> Moving forward, you don't hear from, and he's right. He's right, Richard. Right, they, yeah, they get it. We get we get in the way. <laughs> uh, so yeah. uh, yes, I, I definitely. But I, I just like the the process, and you know, um, I think you know again the emphasis, even even with um, you know the sister brother from you know New York, you know brother Clifton and brother Michelle. It's such, um, yeah, sister Michelle. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's um it, it's just rewarding to see the communication network and what we can learn. Um, you know, um, um, you know what we can learn from each other from these different areas that's going on. Um, I think that that's important. And and as you say, the different networking capacity uh, capability that we have um, to kind of and you know, Elliot, they, they flash, and I'll I'll stop, but. You remember when the Million Man March, and we talk about that, it was really a, a grand networking enterprise. Certainly. I mean, you know, and, and it snowballed to play, to institutions that didn't want to get involved because they would have got ran over. They got ran over to where they had to get involved. And I, and I, and I see in this moment, um, this is happening again, um, but not 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 in the. It's not centered around a person. It's centered around you know just what the need is. The and needs. I think that that's important. Yes, I agree. I agree. And uh, <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned the march about the. Would you call it a grant? Would you? How did you term that? Uh, Don't ask me, Elliot. Don't ask me. Well, but. <laughs> You know, but, but to be was, honest, yeah, was a great, uh, a, a great, I don't know, just just a, a multiplier, you know. But would help that, sense. Richard, and we t- we talk about this a lot. Would help that, um, which was the, what was the major engine behind that was black radio, <laughs> black radio, and then we see the backlash that happened after that. That really right. wasn't talked about. That kind of went right. by some of our people that kind of went over their head. 
when they changed that legislation, both Democrat and Republican, mm-hmm. uh, that the telecommunications act, which allowed the, the, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead. Excuse me. Which allowed yeah. all these white conglomerates to buy up all of these stations. And what I seen was that they reported that black men were voting after that in more numbers than they were voting before that. Huh. Yes, Just so, imagine uh, that momentum maintaining itself. Yeah. Yeah, so, well, I mean, we still have the tools. We have the tools. Uh, we might not have the terrestrial stations because they've been brought up. But with the advent of this uh, Internet and a lot of the different broadcast venues, uh, we can still get the information out. And more. And listen, in, in a more of an efficient way than it was on radio. Right. Because on radio, you were kind of limited to your broadcast area. If a program was in Philadelphia, I mean, that's where they heard it at, Philadelphia and maybe the surrounding areas. But with this Internet, you can be heard all over at the same time. So we got better tools now than we had before. The key is let's use it to organize. See. Uh, before we leave tonight, let me give the uh, – and, you know, we, we uh, got some good things lined up for October, Richard, but we'll, we'll kind of uh, – nail those things down for the listening audience. I think it'll be uh, good listening uh, moving forward about some of the things uh, happening uh, both nationally and internationally. Right. So, uh, yeah, we'll uh, put a, put together some calendar of some things and, and share it with the listening audience that uh, probably the next program. Uh, before we leave tonight, uh, oh, you know what? Let me, let me do this because I didn't do it and, and, I guess they can kind of fault me for this, but let me, cause we had two people, uh, hanging on. Let me go to them. Four, 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 four. Are you still there? Yeah, I've been here, man. Since yeah. I'm, I'm, man. I'll I'm, be 65 in a minute. Man. My birthday is next week. I'm but sorry. Anyway, I'm, sorry. Here, I'm sorry about that. It's all good. It's all good, man. I wanted to talk to Sadiqi, but, uh, I got a question for you, but before I, I, I my man from Mississippi now, he's still there. Uh, oh, he gone. no, he's gone. Well, Mississippi, what got me in Mississippi, bro? I'm going to tell y'all, in Jackson, Mississippi, they got a house there, Mega Elvis House, man. And you pull up there, you can see the bullet holes in the house, man. That's what, that's what, that's what uh, fired me up, man. You can see all of the blood stain in the driveway and the bullet holes are all in the kitchen, man, where they shot that brother, man. Miss Merle Elvis, she did a good job to keep the house there, man. That's what fired me up, man. But, uh, uh, I got a question to you, man. I found out a program they got in Philly called the Confess Project. You ever heard of that? The Confess? Yeah. Mm. It's called the Confess Project with barbershops up there where uh, 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 the barbers, they talk to their customers. And, they, you know, if they got a problem or the barber might have a problem, they talk it out, man, brother on brother. Because I saw it on, on, I think, 60 Minutes because it was one barber he was cutting a young man's hair, and the bro- little brother said, hey, man, give me a good, fresh cut, because this is my last haircut. And the, and the bob- brother barber said, what you talking about, man? You know what that young brother said? When he get through with his haircut, he going to go home and kill himself. So he wanted to look good in the casket. And so the man, brother at the barbershop, he started, uh, 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 he went home with brother and talked to him, like the whole rest of the day, man. 
to help that young brother out. So it's called a confess project where the barbers, you know, y'all good. You know, people get their haircut, they start talking, you know, and, and conversing with the barber. So check it out up there, man. It's called a confess project, man. I saw it on the news, like you said, most stuff they have locally, the people locally don't see it, but naturally they show up, man. But check it out, man. That was beautiful, man. It's called a confess project, man. Well, brothers, look it out for brothers, man, at the barber shop. But, uh, uh, yeah, man, it's a fun time to be alive, and we coming together, man. And, and I want to talk to Sadiq because I know him, man. But anyway, uh, uh, I appreciate you did let me uh, talk spit to out him. a little bit. Of, huh? You can talk to him. Um, go to the website, um, yes, fill up, and get on the Zoom. And yes, put you bring it up, man. Every other word, you break it up tonight, man. But uh, I did hear you. I know you advanced a, a lot ahead of us, man. You said the twenty, the twenty second century, the twenty first century, man. That's good. You had <laughs> the game, man. Look, <laughs> but uh, yeah. But anyway, Ellie, I appreciate talking to you. But check that out, man. The Confess Project. That's beautiful, man. I love y'all. And maybe I holler at y'all Friday. Peace and blessings. Stay strong. Keep the fist ball up, and uh, we rolling. Appreciate it. Talk to you. That's all. Uh, two one five, two one five. Hey, 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 brother Elliot, how you doing? Good. Hey, brother Richard, how you doing, good brother? Yeah. Uh, praise be to Allah. I'm glad y'all brothers doing good tonight. Well, uh, brother uh, West was talking about the brother. I don't, I wasn't familiar with the case with the brother, but the, with the that who got his hair cut. But I do hope and pray to Allah that he was able to talk to brother out of taking his life. You know, we need all hands on deck. You know, especially a young brother like that with so much potential, you know, so much uh, potential in his future. I pray to Allah he didn't, you know, take his life. Hope the brother was able to talk him out of uh, doing that. You know, because I know a lot of these young brothers. Sisters out here traumatized, and they, and they, you know, they, a lot of they going through a lot. And you know, this pandemic, as you well know, brother Ellen, brother Richard didn't help matters now. You know, a lot of young sisters and brothers felt isolated. You know, what I mean, um, during this pandemic, when they couldn't do this, they couldn't do this, and then they was, you know, they were scared. They was getting scared the, the bejeebas out of them with this vaccine stuff and everything. So it was a lot they was unpacking. So I'm hoping that brother was able to, you know, talk to their young brother out of taking his life. You know, yeah, I, was, I enjoyed the interview with Brother Sadiq and Brother Patrick, and uh, of course the, the the first guest about the the mural with the minister on it. You know, about that, that so-called controversy up there in New York. And you you notice what Brother Cliff kept saying? He said these Negroes do what they are told. See, you remember that Elliot? What he said? Yeah. He said they do what they are told. And 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 and, and see, he said he said, and, and the thing that got me was like, and and, and you and him. And you and Brother Richard conferred this back and forth. And this is something that I hope our people was really paying attention to. See, this shows you the state of so-called black misleadership, that you don't even say anything. You know, like you said to the brother, you can't, and Sister Michelle, you can't sit there and, and take a neutral position or take that punk ass in the middle of the road. You're going to take a stand one way or another, and they go for Sharpton, Jesse, all the rest of them. So that's what they want to do, lay in the cuts and say, well, I didn't say nothing against the minister, but you ain't saying nothing for him either. So, so, so take a stand. Either show you, you can't be, like I said, you can't serve two masters. You can't serve God and the devil. You got to be on one side or another. And see these niggas, they sit back and they cow and, that, and with that sister from the 
NAACP told you it's disgraceful. I'm, I, I can't get involved. I, I was told not to. I mean, who the hell? Man, you're supposed to be representing black people's interests, and you tell me you can't. Come on, man. You know, I just get tired of these Negroes. Like I said, where, where are these loudmouth black caucus members? And all they got so much to say when it comes to our, you, Ukraine and everything. They can't even say that damn thing about about the, the, this mural. And it's not about Minister Furkan per se. It's about this, this, always this group of people, and I'm not going to sugarcoat it, these group of white Jews, Zionists, that's always got their lip damn noses and lips in black people's business, and these punk-ass Negroes always punk out when it comes to them. I, like I said, Brother Ellen Richard, and I don't back down. I stand by what I say. I get so damn tired of these this group of white particular white people, they, they call themselves white Jews or, or whatever they want to call themselves. They always want to dictate to black people, and black people keep keep talking out to them. Because like I said, when you have Brother Cliff and uh, and, and, and Brother Kendall Mall that week, when they, all that happened, the, the Labor Day weekend, when I, when I called y'all down when I was down in Virginia, Beach, Virginia, and I stand by what I said, Brother Ellen Mitchell, I don't want to hurt no other black person call this show or any other black terrestrial radio station about how some Asians or some Arabs or some Indians or some Latinos, how they disrespected black people, this and that. I don't want to hear that BS no more. If, you, if black folks as a collective, not an individual, but as a collective, if they can't stand up to these white Jews once and for all, I don't want to hear no more about it, Ellen Rich. I'm serious. I don't want to hear no more about it. Simple as that, man. You're going to keep punking out to this, to this group of white people? I don't want to hear it no more. Don't tell me about how these people came in your community and disrespected you. Keep damned if you can't stand up to these white Jews. I don't hear nothing else about it. And that's, nothing, that's the way I feel, bro. Simple as that, okay? Yeah, well, I, I listen, I understand your feelings. I, I understand you know, it clearly. I mean, I mean, enough is enough, man. Enough is enough. You know, you just get, you just get to a point where you just get tired of it. Here, here, they, meet, here, they, here, they, here they can meet with Netanyahu and all these other resigners. They come to America whenever they feel like they're leisure. They don't come to Brother Elliot Booker or Brother Richard or Brother John and say, can I get y'all permission to, to, to meet with Netanyahu or this current Israeli thug that's the prime minister now? They don't come and ask for but they just go in and do it. But, but these niggas has got to sneak around and, and get permission. Can, can I be seen with Minister Farrakhan? Can I, can I even take a picture with him? I mean, come on, man. You're a grown damn man. You're a damn punk or man. You're a grown woman. What is you, a coward? I mean, come on, man. You know, let's get sick of this nonsense, man. These people dictate to you what, what you can do. You're a grown damn man. What, how are you going to look your children in the face and say you're a parent and you got some white man or white woman that's a Jew telling you who you can talk to, who you can't talk to, who you can meet with, who you can't meet with? What got me was when Minister Farrakhan said on the tape that I got several years ago where he said he met with members of Congressional Black Caucus and they told him, they said, Brother Farrakhan, I like you, I love you, man, but you know I can't be seen with you because these Jews will come down on me, man. They'll do this and they'll do that. And I'm like saying to myself, what kind of damn people will get themselves in a position where another race of people can dictate to them and tell them who they can talk to? I mean, come on. We're the only people that let that happen. You, you, I'm telling you, you can't find no Asians, no Indians, nobody that let another race of people tell them who they can meet with and stuff like that. But we, these niggas, punk out like every time. Let these white Jews tell them who to meet with. Man, come on with this nonsense, man. And, and lastly, Alex, I know you and Richard running for wait, time. Wait, 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 hold on, hold on one second. Go ahead, Richard. I have to say this because it's, it's important. When we do listen to um, Brother Clifton and, 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 and um, the sister was on, um, that, that they really gave a microcosm of mm -hmm. us people in relationship to how well organized we are. 
um, with Brother Siddiqui and Brother Patrick are doing with Brother Siddiqui in Boston, Brother Patrick in, in, in Mississippi. I mean, you see the work they have to go through. Mm-hmm. And minister said, so on one hand, we can't talk about what these other groups are doing to us when we know the work we have to do, because it ain't got nothing to do with them. Because for some reason, not those, the buffers, not the black politicians or the black ministers, it's what Sister McKinney says, it's us who stand on the sidelines that is the challenge. Because oh, I, I, I don't disagree with you, Richard. I'm not, I'm not disagreeing. All I'm saying, Brother Richard, is that unfortunately, Brother Richard, those so-called leaders, they're the ones that got our people's attention. And when you look at a sharp thing, he got a large audience, man. If he ain't saying anything about this situation with the Murrow, he ain't. He got a large in, a, in a National Action Network. So they got our people's ears, these so-called religious leaders. See, they're they the ones that mislead our people. They're the ones that keep up. But, for example, right now, Richard, you got black folks right now calling the black radio station in Philadelphia expressing simply for that hag over there in England that died the other week. They actually especially condolences because they misled. They misled by the black misleadership, man. But my point is, no matter how large they're, when we look at the Masonic, we look at the politicians, we look at the church, I'm saying in numbers, there's more black people who are not in none of them that we have to be conscious of because it's because those who are sitting on the sidelines, who are, who, whether we, as, as Brother Elliot said, because they don't know, is whether they know and they say, well, look, I got what I got. I ain't got to worry about that. It's more them than it is in, the, in any of these Negro organizations. And until we can be able to get them to not be just sitting and letting others other ethnic groups or those groups in those organizations make our condition the way it is. It's those who are that that has to be, you know, and, and to be um, even more uh, more specific. It's even us that has to be more effective in our organizing, to where even as a minority, where we have more power. You know, because we see that it doesn't take everybody. Right. It's effectiveness of the minority in relationship to their opposition. But we can't keep saying that the opposition got their foot on all our neck. And we just got our head turned up talking about, at least I can see your foot. What is it that we got to do to get their foot off our necks? Even if it's just one of us and the re- and those who got their foot, they cause they in line, right? Knock down one, it's a domino effect. And in theory, in theory, Richard, I don't disagree with you in theory, but see, in practice, Richard, it's easier said than done. I don't disagree with that, but it has to be done. But again, we gotta look, look at, we gotta take it piece. You know, piecemeal this thing, piece by piece. It's not an easy thing because when you got that kind of opposition, brother, you know, oftentimes because we don't get the coverage or whatever for whatever media that we have, you know, it's hard to fight against the opposition. Not that we shouldn't and not that what you're saying is necessarily wrong, but again, it's easier said than done, brother. Richard, you're going against a tidal wave a lot of times, man, because these Negroes, when they, when they, when they, the ones that's on that 
opposite end of the spectrum. When they line up, brother, they line up against our people in total opposition, the ones that look just like us and stuff like that. So the struggle is hard, man. It's not, it's not an easy thing. Not to say we shouldn't keep fighting. We need to because we have no other choice but to do it. But I'm saying we have to be realistic about how this thing going to go and, and stuff. It's not going to be an easy struggle because, again, you got so many these Negroes, like, like, I'm going to quote like Dr. Shago said, the late Dr. Shago said it. He said, some of these Negroes say just enough to think that they, you think they are with you, but they are not. And, that, and that's out of our road. And they go for one, whether in the black caucus, in the black church, and the mosque, the mosque, yeah, whatever. They, they, some of these Negroes say just enough that you think they might with, be with our people, but they are not. And that's what makes the struggle so hard and stuff, man. I mean, when you fight against the, the, the European, the, the Caucasian, then you fight against these Negroes that look like you as well, man. The steadfast opposition to what you're trying to accomplish. Like I said, when you look at people like Brother Siddiqui, uh, 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 brother Patrick, or even brothers up in New York with the with the Merle, you got Negroes in well, New York. They, it's not just the white races up there that look at them as being troublemakers. You got Negroes that look at look at them as being troublemakers and stuff like that. Cause they buy into this American system that you are against this country, you that you are anti-American, you're not a patriot, or whatever. So you're gonna run into opposition from these men. That's what make it that the struggle even that's that's that much more formidable when you got to deal with all that at the same time and stuff, man. I mean, it's not it's not an easy thing, brother. It's, it's, it's a struggle. It's a real struggle. And and, and, and I close with this. Like I said just now, I'll close with this last comment. Like I said, to show you how this the brainwashing is, again, you got Negroes that will call a black radio station expressing condolences for that hag for that just died the other week. And, and to show you how the brainwashing is, and it's still so deep, I talked to a brother today, Miami for a lie, I talked to a brother today that was born in Trinidad. And he, and he told me, he said, Joe, Honest, I'm not going to lie. He was expressing sympathy for the queen because he said he thought she was a good woman because he said he was told all his life that she was a good woman. He didn't know all the stuff that her and, her, her and that monarchy was involved in. He even he said, Joe, I have to do my research. I did not know. And this brother's a little older than me. He grew up in Trinidad and Tobago. He did not know that, my brother Rich and brother Alex. It's the kind of stuff you're dealing with, man. This business black leadership, whether it's in America or around or, or, or over there in the, the Africa or the Caribbean, wherever, they just as bad as the Negroes were. They keep our people misled, man. So you got a brother like that who's not a bad, but he's a good brother to take his family. But he was grew up, he grew up with the notion that this woman was some kind of friend of black people, man. And nothing to be further from the truth. When you look at how, how she sanctioned the murder in the, in the, in the, in the Mau Mau in Kenya during the Mau Mau Revolution. She was part and partial to that, man. You know what I mean? But see, he didn't know that. It's like so many of our people don't know that stuff. That's where that misleadership comes in at, man. So you got it like Malcolm said, this white media... They will have you loving your your enemies and hating your friends. And that's because you got so many misguided black people right now thinking that this woman that just died was some kind of friend of black people when nothing could be further from the truth, man. This is deep, man. I'm telling you, this is deep. You can't underestimate the, the power of this white media and, and, and with the black misleadership that's, that's right there. It keeps our people in, 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 in like a, a damn... Uh, 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 what's the plan? You know, your, your legs moving, but you're not going anywhere. You know what I mean? Just keep doing that same thing, man. It's, it's deep, man. It's like going to take a whole re-education of, of, of to keep our people out of this mental slave brainwash that they have did to our people, man. It's, it's deep, man. But anyway, Ellen Richard, thanks for letting me express myself, man. Put me on mute, Ellen, and I'll listen to the last you know, remaining minutes of the show. Thanks for your contribution, bro. You're welcome. Richard, we come up to the end of another program, man. Yes, yes. Uh, before we go, let me uh, give the lineup for Time for an Awakening Media. Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, African Perspectives with Brother Oshi. 
Always interesting dialogue and guests on African Perspectives. That's Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Later on Monday evenings from 8 to 10, Black Therapy Central with host Dr. Maria Kambon and Dr. Kamal Kambon. And the first and third Mondays of the month, Conversation Reparations and Sankoba's program with Brother Jamoke as host. On Tuesday, 8 to 10 p.m., Black Reality Think Tank with host Dr. William Rogers. Wednesday is our time, the Black Farmers Program from 8 to 10, and from 9 to 10, Black Agenda Report with Dr. David Muhammad on Thursday, Mississippi on the Move, uh, uh, Brother Patrick uh, is host, that's uh, 8 to 10, excuse me, 7 to 8, I'm looking at Central Time, that's 7 to 8 Eastern Time on Time for an Awakening at uh, Mississippi on the Move. Uh, the Black Liberation Movement with Brother Patrick as host, Thursdays 7 to 8. On Time for an Awakening on Fridays, Time for an Awakening from 8 until, and on Saturdays from 7 to 9 p.m., the Elders of Sankofa with Brother Alfonso Watkins as host. I want to thank everybody for listening to the program this evening. Lively discussion as always, and we'll be back on Friday, Lord willing, to continue on this path towards an awakening. Peace. Children playing after school They seem to be so unaware of I know, I know The things that they'll soon have to take care of
Thank you. 